Alright guys, I wasn't uh, planning on streaming. <laughs> oh, Kev's got uh, writing to do, and uh, ah, it's always the case with that type of thing. I'm, uh, how shall we say, a, a procrastinator. I have uh, PTSD from years of writing rejected manuscripts and grants. <laughs> I can't. It's such a struggle, but uh, I'm I'm working on it. But uh, I've. Uh, I'd arranged to do a stream uh, with uh, the American Foundation for Informed Consent uh, a little a little while ago. There was uh, issues, uh, tech issues, and uh, Charles Rixey in the chat. Salute to you, sir. Uh, WMD specialist, a bulldog in Washington. Good to see you, bro. Um, so, uh, what am I going to be doing? I, I need to tell you because of the nature of this stream today that it can't we can't stay on youtube right and i'm burning through youtube accounts the last one's just got another strike for literally the introduction i did with the stream the other day and there was virtually no discussion i think uh gene transfection got mentioned a couple of times uh purely in the context of names that JP had interviewed and that was again enough to have a strike uh, levied against the channel for uh, medical misinformation and um, yeah what I what I would suggest to you folks is I will put the links again okay use rumble use the dojo use wtytl.live it's why they're there um, we have to have this um, we have to have these options available to us and it's just it's just the way of the world i'm afraid you want to you want to engage in the information warfare and uh you need to uh how do you say paralyze pa parallelize your uh your forces or your your capabilities as it were and um, not be reliant too much and look i don't i don't think rumble will last long they're uh they're making big noise about them getting posted on the nasdaq etc you can be sure you can be sure that the nudges will be coming or coming soon and that th they will like odyssey will will be restricting what it is that you can talk about and i don't see any let up in the the narrative control around SARS, uh, its countermeasures, and um, it, I think this will continue for a long time, uh, unfortunately. And yeah, so my solution is this: like I said, go go to other platforms. I'll try to sort of watch 
the chat from other platforms kind of kind of difficult though uh, i'm hoping uh which platform is best for live chat in the discord use discord use discord for uh, uh you know what i might just what if i stream now if i stream in discord you don't get any sound right or, or do you maybe let me let me just see if i can set up streaming in discord as well in the raccoon cinema it should work if i'm not playing any uh clips then maybe it'll 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 work but i want to use discord for the interview so it might it might break but let me do this uh share applications and all oh no, that screens let's go live and i don't know if people want to try the raccoon cinema and chat there uh feel free and again i'm i'm sorry it has to be this way it's uh, you know it's a it's a struggle but uh <laughs> I'm not being uh, bombarded by uh, tons of ordnance, <laughs> ration howitzers or suicide drones, so I should uh, count myself lucky uh, in that respect. So, right, what are we going to do? So I'm going to be speaking with Anthony from the American Foundation for Informed Consent. We're going to be talking about the, uh, well, what I think is the it's the next step that we have which is to push back through the courts and he he has initiated that and so uh, hopefully we're going to talk about uh his progress in that domain it's the first time sort of speaking uh publicly and the uh we'll we'll see we'll see how it it goes um so Bear with me whilst I try to reach out. And then when I've made the establishment with YouTube call, uh, sorry, with the Discord call, YouTube will go off. Okay. And it's, yeah, I can sit there bitching like a, what have I got to do here? Yeah. Right. So, so much. Uh, let's do this. Start video call. Or start call, I should say. And we'll see if Anthony answers. I see him picking up. Let's see if Hello. He... Hello, Anthony. How are you, sir? Uh, very well. Yourself? Uh, well, you know, frustrated that, uh, you know, again, dealing with another another strike from YouTube. So those... Uh, just sending a heartfelt message to youtube eat shit and die yes uh that's that's kind of how i'm feeling right now um and yeah so for people who are listening please i'll put the links again go to these other channels you'll be able to watch the stream whilst i speak with uh, anthony we'll be speaking about uh prions and court cases and um let's uh let's go from there so okay folks uh if you're watching on youtube i've got to say bye bye go to the other channels break out the system get off youtube what you doing here man yeah get a get away 
right. Bye, YouTube. Okay, Anthony. So, uh, why don't you... I've, I've sort of introduced a little bit of what you were doing. Um, are you going to uh, share screens? Uh, okay, let me uh, pop that out. And I will do this. Okay, soundboard is behaving. And uh, go for it, dude. We're good? Yep, yep. Awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, I just uh, want to give you... I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to discuss... Um, you know, uh, COVID, specifically the spike protein with you. Uh, watched your uh, video on prions, and I saw the the paper that you had shared. It's actually included in uh, in this series that I've put together uh, on the S1 spike protein. I am uh, the executive director for the American Foundation for Informed Consent. Um, I had uh, an active uh, lawsuit against the governor of Virginia when he had his mandates open uh, here. Uh, for mandamus to provide me informed consent. Uh, most of my legal uh, filings have been geared towards receiving informed consent. And um, when my case was thrown out uh, in June, I set out to write a, a three-part series on the spike protein, which was based on all of the research that I had, I had um, kind of done over the course of the past two years to really come together and put what I think is probably the most complete composite of pathogenic responses uh, that exist um, in regards to the spike protein causing uh, sequelae uh, within the body. Uh, I know that the, you're kind of focused more on the, the, the neurologic side. Well, it's, it's, you know, these disorders are systemic, but yeah, my, my focus is neurological because the... Well, in in the general medical literature, it's a case of systemic amyloid diseases are are rare and are often uh, genetically linked. And um, the the imp impact on because the you have systemic preanopathies, I guess, as a catch-all. Um, and the the problem is it is trying to again pin down mechanisms. It's great that you've had a a, a crack at that, but the the simple fact is that we don't have good animal models on which to thoroughly test any of the uh, the the theories. And the look medical science right now for better or worse is you know it, it, it demands an evidence-based approach and as important as clinical work is um, un unless you have a predictive model as such then there's there's very little that we can sort of extrapolate um, a lot of it just it, it it's all theory and no demonstration now there there are some um rodent models appearing um genetically modified mice uh but the uh, again the uh, you know the impact that they've had are uh, are minimal and the closest we have in primates is some observational studies which is basically what i've i have as well and the yeah again the that you're dealing with a sort of n of one all the time and 
yeah, it's it's just it's just the nature of the disease the the, the well the class of diseases and the the simple fact is that the majority of research is focused on neurological impact. Mm-hmm. So what I what I did um, within this three part series is I really tried to um, leave breadcrumbs mm-hmm. and kind of paint a picture um, beginning with just the structure of the spike protein itself and what it has been observed doing within nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what part one is. Part two is looking at the blood and the immune system and how the body reacts to eliminate it as well as how a number of other um, pathogenic responses can become chronic and then lead to long COVID, what long COVID is, um, what research is showing uh, is the causative agent for it and how it um, creates its own uh, effects. Um, And then part three goes into the vaccine itself and how the mRNA is structured and how um, and really starting to get into the nitty gritty of, of the neurological side. Uh, and that's kind of where I, where I start to go into the pro, uh, into the prion aspect. And what we're really dealing with here is the largest um, gain of function uh, research uh, project that's ever been conducted uh, on humanity. Uh, in my opinion, oh, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I I try and shout it every day. <laughs> just yep. get a hallelujah from me, brother. Uh, if I just uh, ask a quick question, why why was your case uh, dismissed? So um, the legal term was for lack of legal standing. They said that I failed to define a legal right that I was due um, within my filing, even though I had a right for. Uh, informed consent, and that I argued on behalf of everyone, as opposed to having a case that was directly tied to me. The attorney general demurred all material fact that I presented to them. All the science that was showing that this is a bio, that the spike protein is a biologic toxin, they demurred on. And in essence, what they won on was a legal technicality. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it doesn't 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 surprise me. Uh, the there's no room for appeal to um there is there is i was asking for a lot Uh, it was a mandamus filing so in essence i was looking to step in as the governor and assign the health policy for the state itself um by declaring it a biologic toxin by having him provide me informed consent or actually the virginia department of health has uh to provide me informed consent as it's related to state statute because in the United States, um, the federal mandates were shut down. They were removed because the federal courts said that the federal um, government did not have jurisdiction to implement a mandate, that uh, the implementation of the mandates themselves was considered non-economic activity and because it is non-economic activity, it falls within state police powers. So if state police powers are the jurisdictional executive power within this distribution, then it's state law that applies and state and the, and the state definition of informed consent, which w- would be, which I would be um, 
which I could legally require, which I could legally ask for. Uh, I have to, I have to just. I'm curious as to why they they wouldn't. What did you? What was the classification commercial and contract activity? Is that is, that was what you just said prior your previous statement? Well, so because the um, so the vaccine was considered a medical countermeasure against a virus of public health threat. Mm -hmm. And the way that the laws are organized in the United States within our constitution, that falls within the 10th amendment or a state's rights mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. So, it's a, so it, it's a state power. It's not federal government. It's illegal for them to initiate it. So, and uh, I later went back to the Virginia Department of Health. I asked them directly for informed consent. I got them to admit to me that the spike protein is harmless. And I also got them to agree that the spike protein is closely related to the cause of long COVID. So what, 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 was, that, what was that evidence to say that their reasoning is that the spike protein is harmless? What did they rely on? Well, actually, it was an email exchange. And what I had provided them was what... Uh, the CDC had said um, within their own, um, I don't know if my screen is still showing. Yeah, 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 it is. Cool. So what I, what I have right here is a screenshot of the CDC's website where they say, you know, nearly all the ingredients of COVID-19 are also ingredients in many foods, fat, sugars, right? Mm -hmm. And here they say, you know, the COVID-19 vaccine contains a harmless version of a virus unrelated to the virus that causes COVID-19. Okay. Well, that harmless version is the spike protein. That's mm. the only version that's created in the body. Well, you know, their description there is already faulty because it's not, uh, it's not a virus, right? It's a peptide Correct. of the, the, the virus. And uh, just out of interest, um, have they... Do they still have this up on their website? We know they've uh, they've been prone to changing it. The, there's the case of them removing the uh, the statements that the protein uh, and the mRNA only lasts uh, a few days to weeks, yeah, right? Recently. Yeah, recently. I think they're getting caught up in. I'm hope I'm hoping that they're doing this as a response to my to the new lawsuit that I filed about a month ago. Okay, which is a declaratory judgment. And I'm only looking for the right to have them provide me informed consent that the spike protein is a biologic toxin. There are a couple, there are like six things that I ask for. Uh, ask them to provide me informed consent of the possibility of a healthcare-induced, healthcare-associated infection due to the vaccine because of their own acknowledgement that the spike protein is closely related to the cause of long COVID and long COVID being uh, designated in the United States as um, as a disability under the American with Disabilities Act by the Department of HHS, which is the federal um, federal department, which mm -hmm. is responsible. So they say long COVID is a disability. The, my own state department uh, of health agrees that it is closely related to the cause of long COVID, which is a disability. So therefore, I should receive informed consent of the possibility of a healthcare associated infection, which uh, Dr. Bruce Patterson, who's the main, my main source for how 
was basically defined what long COVID is medically um, when I provided them uh, that information. Well, you know, I just to interject here, I don't mean to interrupt you. Um, you know, I am very much of the view that a lot of long COVID is neurological assault. And, but the problem with that is it's, it's very difficult to demonstrate it. And this, unless, unless we get animal data, which can definitively show that there is a uh, neurological sequelae after, after exposure, I'm, uh, I'm, I, 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 I wish you all the, the luck with these, these lawsuits, but there, there's this ambiguity all the time that I think they're going to sort of be, be relying on, which they've already, already used with you. Um, yes. Well, they really can't though. They can't, they can't run away anymore because I have their acknowledgement in writing mm. and now they're going to have to justify and hedge, you know, what do they mean by closely related? <laughs> the only and the only information that they can rely on is the information that I've provided them, because when I originally opened up the discussion, they said, "Oh, we, it's not the cause; it's harmless. If you have any information, then send it to us." And then after I sent them the information, they're like, "Oh shit! Well, damn! I guess you're right." <laughs> mm. uh, can I ask, were you uh, at the? W w was there a mandate coming for you? Uh, with respect to your work, or uh, what what convinced you to step forward and begin this, um, I would imagine, a rather laborious task of <laughs> getting these petitions together? Um, did they... Well, I was already obsessed, um, but two things specifically, a lot of prayer, um, especially when this started, when they said, oh, we're going to give this to kids. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Mm. You know, like 99% natural immunity and you, what the hell is the matter with you people? Mm. You know? And then second was when my mother told me that she had gotten vaccinated. I just heard this voice in my head and just said, they killed my mother. And from that point on, I was just like, I, I want, I'm, I'm going to get these motherfuckers. Like whatever happens. I need to find what I need to find and I need to do what I need to do to make sure that this stuff stops. Mm. Oh, good for you, sir. Um, yep. So, uh, well, I guess, I guess for uh, the audience, why don't we um, start from the beginning with the, with what you think is the pathology and um, we can bounce ideas off each other. Um, I'm, I'm always open to, other people's interpretations. So um, I see awesome. uh, you've got, there we go. Let's begin with natural infection. So that's yep. one. So let's rock on. So here we are. Yeah. So um, one thing to keep in mind is that there is not really any single cause when it comes to this spike protein. It's, it really is a Swiss army knife and it can fuck you in many different ways. Okay. Um, so what I really do is just the role of the spike protein. A lot of people are aware just to, you know, hash again, attaches to the ACE2 receptor upon attaching to the ACE2 receptor, TMPRSS2, which is a protease serine to, you know, cleaves S1 from S2, the S1 subunit, which contains the, the N-terminal domain, your receptor binding domain, and then a portion of your, um, the furin cleavage site, your fusion protein, 
that gets left on the ACE2 receptor. The S2 subunit then unfolds, drills into the membrane, draws the rest of the viral envelope onto the cell where other uh, enzymes then um, dissolve the, the cell membrane and then inject the RNA into the cell and you have cellular infection. Okay. I focused on the S1 subunit. So really the only thing that I'm talking about here are the N-terminal domain, receptor binding domain almost exclusively, and this and the furin cleavage site, mm -hmm. which had there's a revelation within the furin cleavage site that I think really explains a lot of the pathology. Um, especially when it comes to the to the case of amyloidogenesis mm -hmm. uh, and the fibrinogenic response uh, that Rhizoprostoria side of South Africa has has kind of um, yeah they get, they got on that early and uh, it's it, it's kind of I'm not so shocking but um, you know of all the high tech labs across the world um, there was a lab in South Africa that sort of keyed in on the, on this mechanism and uh, managed to sort of demonstrate these amyloidogenic fibrinogen resistant um, mm -hmm. clotting and yep. the well I, I don't mean to uh, sort of brush towards conclusions but that this it, it's mind-blowing that the molecular biologists just don't see the similarity between the artificially expressed um, peptide sequences of concern versus the natural virus. It's, uh, it's very disturbing to me. I think that a lot of your biologists that are out there are concerned with the single-strand RNA and the process of cellular infection itself causing disease and don't have within the scope of their own brains the fact that individual proteins, antigens, mm -hmm. You know that are part of the virus can be the main drivers of sequelae and the main drivers of pathogenicity of mm. the virus. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is something that we were in the last decade in neuroscience were sort of beginning to really sort of hone in on, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's peptide fragments, and you know the and this is where you sort of get into the discussion about is. It, it, is amyloid the cause or a response to a toxin as a way of sort of trying to get ensnare it so it's not sort of pinballing around your system? And you know, my understanding of the state of the art is that 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 question hasn't been resolved yet. Um, what I would do is just always point people to we've known we've known about. Lewy body type inclusions and amyloid busters, for want of a better uh, description. And they've been around for a long time, but they don't do what you would predict from the models. This is, so this gets back to what I was saying previously about um, it's it's very very important to have test platforms on which you can um, run your hypotheses as to the the nature of these. Um, yeah, misfolded proteins because like yep. I say the um the, they can break them down but the the disease process still seems to um continue you don't you don't reverse alzheimer's you might arrest it for a little few months um but that's it 
the other thing to keep in mind is that you know we may be looking at a case here where the um, spike protein itself may not even be directly related or, or like in a direct causal chain that it, it, within my research I found that in many cases this is just a, a chronic um, result of uh, of the body's own mechanisms mm. acting against it mm. yeah so we always we always say that the that the Prionopathy uh, emerges in the fire of your own inflammation. And, you know, there's the, but again, it's a chicken and an egg um, it is. question. Okay. And, but when you say inflammation, what is inflammation? Well, it's a, it's a good question. Where do, where do you start and stop, right? There's so, there's so many um, pathways involved. And, and, and again, so this, this is something that I, I try to relate to people that we understand that neuroinflammation is important. We've got an idea that protein misfolding might be part of the disease process. Mm -hmm. Adding so, adding anti-inflammatories, and you know we've got very effective anti-inflammatories, um, doesn't stop the disease either. And um, the amount of lectures that I've sat through of people saying, well, you know, we've identified this particular marker on this COX-1 dependent pathway, yada, yada, yada. And um, we're now moving towards, and always there'll be a mouse experiment saying, ha look, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. And then it doesn't, it gets to the monkey and then gets to the clinical stage and then it just never, it's the translation problem all the time. Yeah, and, and that is the other thing, man. I don't know what it is about um, physiology and doctors. I, I myself, I'm not like a board certified doctor or anything, but within the research, I find that there are like three or four different explanations for the same thing, mm. you know, or for three or four different definitions for like the same cell. And it's just a matter of scope, you mm. know. Are yeah. we talking about a lymphocyte in detail? Are we talking about a monocyte? You know, is this a parrot? Mm. It was a bear just to break down the language um, within the research community because many are very focused within their realm, but many only have the bailwick with which they're trained to explain what they're observing. Yes. Yeah. Um, very yeah. common problem. And, mm -hmm. uh, well, it, it's not like it isn't un, a, a known problem in the sciences but the problem the problem is how to break out of that paradigm and i'm well, so maybe, my, maybe it takes someone who's untrained to break out of that paradigm to show you guys a different way that's what i try to do here yeah well that that's uh i'm that's i'm very open to speaking to i'm not ask i don't ask for people's credentials usually only unless i'm getting into a tangle with someone on twitter perhaps but you know if someone wants to come to me with sort of a well thought out uh hypothesis etc i'm i'm happy to listen to uh, to everyone um because you you don't know you don't know who's gonna have a an insight in that you you might have missed because of your own blinders and your own confirmation biases mm -hmm. um, but um, so so where I want to start is just on this S1 subunit, you know, uh, and again, everything that I that I'm mentioning here is published on um, 
fwdquestionshere.com, like forwardquestionshere.com for uh, the American Foundation for Informed Consent. Everything that I have uh, written down here is cited. It goes to the scientific journal where this comes from. I did not try to source some news articles. There are videos explaining the scientific journals where available. And this is really, you know, helps science become accessible to those who aren't scientists. Mm -hmm. And um, well, I, I have I have issues with old Dr. Bean. <laughs> I know, I know. Sometimes he uh, he likes to equivocate, but uh, not to say that he's not suffering for his, the own lack his own lack of conviction within the research that he was sharing with other people. Well, it's 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 more that he he, it's like him and him and Nurse Campbell, both, both just went all in on the vaccine as being a the the way out of this mess now you, you know i i try to be as balanced as possible and and i was saying i want to wait I'll, I'll wait for the data to come out before being uh before really making a decision on you know which way i go because i go you know until the data appears um you're um you're just engaging in um your own your own biases at that point and again you, maybe it's an informed bias but like i say you've got to you've got to wait we knew the experiment was coming um this mass experimentation <laughs> but yeah, like i say once once the data started coming out um it became uh, abundantly clear that the concerns that people did have were 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 a problem and more uh, and more because i don't i don't think we've um we've had a situation where We've had this mass exposure to these preenergic peptides in the manner that we have, and you know it's blowing my mind right now to see them saying, "Oh, lockdowns are causing, or lockdowns caught the previous lockdowns because they don't lock down anymore, are causing all this excess death." And um, to me, that's. <laughs> it's it's up there with uh, shaking your duvet might give you a heart attack and uh it's global warming when you know the whatever 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 preenopathy or amyl whatever tag you want to put on it is mm -hmm. as a signature of I, I i'm of the opinion that that process is unfolding right now yep. and the it, 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 to me, again, it falls into to the more nefarious domain because you've you've got to ask yourself, um, especially when they're saying, "Oh, it's non-COVID related," so it's non-COVID related, and therefore, by extension, it's non-vaccine related. So they're pulling the wool over the majority of the uh, the population's eyes, right? Because again, there's still this trust in experts to uh, to navigate. Well, I guess they're not technically incorrect. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be COVID. It would just be, you know, an antigen of COVID, not all of COVID. You know how they like to, you know, split hairs, bro. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> and I, I know, and it's, it's very frustrating. It's why I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm determined right now that it's animal studies are the way that we have to go right okay. now to any anyway um please 
Carry I'm gonna direct you. I'm gonna help direct you just uh, just based on observation. So we have uh, decreased microvascular transendothelial endothelial resistance. Mm -hmm. um, this mitochondrial fragmentation and dysregulation. This wasn't really known. The mechanisms uh, became known within the past month, and basically, what they're, if I remember correctly, it's a displacement of phosphorus within ATP, which is causing. Uh, a downregulation of energy production within the body, which can lead to all kinds of problems. I mean, cells mm. don't have energy to do, then they have to, mm. they got to make do. Um, but that uh, is also uh, would be, um, would help to explain fatigue and the presence of fatigue because mm. there just isn't as much energy being made um, within the mitochondria. Uh, the fact that um, mitochondrial DNA may also be influenced by this, and I'll get to that later on. Um, is, uh, is is a, is a problem. Mm. It, well, it, it, really it, it, it'll be uh, antigenic in itself, right? There's a, there's a reason that you don't, you don't have mitochondria just floating willy-nilly oh. around, around your body. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, this is... And this is all observed solely with S1. This isn't the spike protein. This isn't any. This is no other protein other than S1 being observed doing this within a laboratory setting. Mm. They put it in mice. Just the S1, it caused all these problems. They put a whole spike protein, not as much problem. Mm. Saline solution, not as much problem. They put the S1 spike protein in a wild type, like non-human. Some problems, but not as many problems as the human lungs. Human mm. lungs were you know uh, yeah well you, you've got to get to that cleavage component right and you know there's an argument that you would have so, so the amyloidogenic peptide fragments are essentially sort of wrapped in uh, sugars and so their their ability to sort of impact uh via you know whatever whatever the, the forces are um they're they're insulated somewhat it's like a wire having insulation around it yeah um the, uh, it, it's interesting because they always uh all of the research says that once the spike protein becomes activated like oh the it's activated like what the hell is that what's that mean what's activated mm -hmm. and and it, what it means is that it's exactly that it's when it gets split in half mm -hmm. that's when it becomes activated so the interesting thing for me is that, well, you know, you have a causal relationship. You know, if if S1 is never separated from S2, S2 can never drill into the cell membrane. If the spike protein is never activated, then in essence, SARS becomes inert. Its its method of cellular infection would be denied. Well, so th this, this, I don't want to be... But there's, there are, um, there's a paper I've been meaning to get to for the last couple of weeks. Just the, and what I've been trying to focus in on is that for quite some time we've known about um, its ability to bind with neuropilin and cholinergic receptors, which are this they're independent of the furin cleavage um, pathway. Now, I would I would want to. I, th I think we need to do more studies with respect to how, what the sort of translocation with respect to the spike and the virus. Get, 
they already found it actually okay um so we have an activation of the alpha 7 of the nachr mm. yeah um, that this, this i'm familiar with but it's yeah. so it's it's more about what type of um fusion mechanism is it is it really using and so you can you can argue that you can activate cholinergic receptors and that that might be enough to sort of contact fuse the fatty membrane the um but again you've got well if there is this um the details here but you know the it's sort of endo but what's what's the mechanism that allows that endocytosis is it just a sort of coupling of lipid membrane or is there is there other factors beyond being able to attach to nicotinergic receptors or neuropillin there are different mechanisms that i believe are going please uh carry on hello uh, I think we lost you, dude. Oh, just a minute. I'm back now. Hey oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. This 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 conversation is inconvenient. Lost you again. Yeah. Well, so whilst whilst we're waiting for Anthony, um, so yeah, you know, this is something I've been speaking about for a long time. Um, the cholinergic activation, obviously. Um, there's the uh, it's a parasympathetic, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, parasympathetic agonist in this instance. And the autonomic nervous system, uh, the vagal branch in particular, is important for um, activating um, and modulating the inflammatory response. And you can, so there are, there are therapies right now where they'll do vagal stimulation as a means to help with chronic inflammatory conditions um it has uh it intimately involved with uh clotting and you know the you know is it is it exactly the same mechanism as rabies uses and again i'm unsure and perhaps anthony will be able to uh, enlighten that if he's uh, if he's looked at uh, different studies, but and it and it's the same with neuropillin, and I I sort of work from the assumption that if if you can get binding of of a virus, then yeah you can you can make an assumption that it will eventually it's going to find a way to uh, wiggle through the plasma membrane, but the you know I don't I don't think we have the detailed mechanisms like we do with the ACE2 and it might just be the case that ACE2 well because it's the obvious one it's the low-hanging fruit everyone uh, everyone sort of um, focuses on that um, but but yeah particularly for nervous system my interest is cholinergic uh, neuropillin and this paper which I keep meaning to get to <laughs> I will do it Bloody, I, and actually, I was looked through, and I think I think we did the uh, uh, preprint version of it uh, uh, quite quite some time ago. But it's worth it's worth going over, and because we we 
we want to get a better idea of these transfection pathways and just the again the the physiological responses because once once you've got a agonist to a receptor you you'll trigger you know once you change the conformation of the receptor it will trigger all sorts of um internal changes to the cell mm-hmm. uh, you back dude I am, man. Sorry, I, I'm getting pinged hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> Girlfriend angry? Uh, well, no, no. I, I mean, I meant electronically. Like, oh. systems all went down. My modem was like, oh, I'm not going to work for now. And uh, uh, I just, Yeah, I, I, I know that pain, bro. Conversation. <laughs> I know that pain. That is busy, people. Yeah. Hang, hang on one second. Okay. Uh, yeah, carry on. No, because you mentioned ACE2, and yeah, it is a low-hanging fruit, you know, it, it does, you know, what everybody knows, it's anti-inflammatory. Uh, two points uh, that I just really want to mention about ACE2 uh, on the spike protein is that after binding, it down-regulates its creation, and it also down-regulates uh, its expression to the cell surface, which would then uh, trend to make it... Um, the cell or wherever it's activating to be more inflammatory itself. So you're going to see more inflammation. Just your your desktop, sorry, dude, your desktop has dropped away. Uh, okay. If, if you want to try sharing again. That. Ooh, I got so many things open. Find it. There we go. Back up. Uh, yes, there we go. Awesome. So just two things is that, you know, ACE itself, ACE2 becomes downregulated. It's anti-inflammatory, like I mentioned. Uh, and then um, its expression to the cell surface is also downregulated. So you're going to have a general physiological expansion or inflammation of the cell itself just due to uh, the, the marker and the physiological mechanism, which is, which is needed to cause an anti-inflammatory response is just not available mm. within this cell. Um, that's kind of like the key takeaway on ACE2. Um, it's just going to cause inflammation by the fact that it's binding there. Clausen um, also mentioned that it can, when it binds to ACE2, that it can disrupt a, a zinc molecule within the protein structure of ACE2 itself, which can uh, turn it into a prionic form of ACE2. And then that zinc ion kind of bounces around, around like a ping pong and can dislodge other zinc ions within other cellular proteins and cause them to misfold as well. Mm. Yeah. The scariest thing I ever read. Um, well, I, I know the class and paper that you're on about, and um, it's one of those ones that's... how true it is. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's snuck in with uh, some technical TDP47, I think is the enzyme maybe. Um, and there's a, NFL Plus is here, bringing you- there's a, look, there's, there's not, there's nothing wrong with, again, working through hypothetically what papers have, you know, what other authors and what have you have brought to the table. The, the question always becomes what, what physiological data can we bring to bear to um, answer these questions. Now, of course, there's, there's clinical observation, 
Um, but but again, it's uh, you know I, I just know. I will, I will yeah I will leave that out one that one out there more to speculation and mm -hmm. for others to research and confirm. That one is not confirmed. It is only one source. It was very detailed, mm -hmm. but it was a detail that I think does deserve um, a little bit more attention and being looked into and confirmed. And if not, then you know mm -hmm. it, it'd be nice to have that not confirmed as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, and th this is why you do the experiments. Um, exactly. You, you've got to uh, whittle down the hypothetical space. Mm -hmm. So other things that uh, have been observed within nature, specifically solely from the S1 subunit are syncytial formation and then lymphocyte elimination. Mm. So you have multinucleated cells forming, and then you have an elimination of immune cells themselves, mm. like, like actively eliminating them, yeah. which is really odd i mean and in essence that's autoimmunity <laughs> uh well hiv basically yeah. uh and yeah this this is another one of those that you know got pointed at out very early in the, in the pandemic and that paper got jumped on from a, a very well, large height this, is, this has nothing to do with gp120 this is just what the S1 subunit has been observed doing in nature. Yeah, yeah. And these are, um, and, and the paper got trashed. And then um, literally the Wuhan Institute of Virology published the same thing again a few months, not, not too long ago, actually. And um, yeah, I don't, I think that might be the... Uh, the reprint from China, probably, because these are Chinese names. Yeah. Um, but the, that, that there were, if it's the same paper, I'd have to look through my notes. Um, but, but basic, yeah, the lymphocytopenia is, as you know, it's been, um, it's been observed and, you know, that there's a, they know that there's a drop in white blood cell count. And, you know, one of the more disturbing aspects, there was someone who's, uh, who's used to post on my discord, haven't seen him for a long time. Uh, Protonic Storm, where are you, bro? Uh, would pull out these graphs that he'd found, which showed that the drop in um, white blood cell count was more severe in COVID than HIV. And um, and now now we're finding that the the spike or elements of the spike are being detected in uh, white blood cells now you know it's sort of being accepted into the medical literature and yeah it's a good it's a good thing to be bringing to the courts to be asking them well you know what what guarantees do you do you have right now uh, that we're not going to be seeing um immune immune related sequelae down the road and it, theoretically we might be at that point already as we're seeing we uh, monkeypox and uh, other other diseases begin to emerge mm -hmm. yep other ones which have uh, laid dormant for a long time mm -hmm. the other thing uh, is that this syncytia and the fibrinogenic response are related a lot of times you know when, what i kind of found through Isaac Pistorius's work is that it appears as though the fibrinogenic response is what's causing the formation of syncytia you know, because they wrap around RBCs, you know, your red blood cells and pretty much everything else that's around. And you, you really start to get into these clumps. Well, one of the interesting things that I found about her work was that the, the von Willebrand factor was also being trapped in it. Mm. 
So, you know, if 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 Siobhan Wilbur in fact ends up becoming part of the clot, then what's there to dissolve it? You know, what mechanisms <laughs> it's not. So um in in my opinion, what ends up happening is um like it's it's basically it's like a it's it's a disease von von Wilbrand factor disease, or yeah, that's um, you know there's been papers that have indi indicated that, and you know the 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 problem that you run into is uh, again hyper reductivity in in these domains where everyone will say oh it's this no it's this and right. and one doesn't preclude the other per se right it, it's just it doesn't um but yeah so so, so far you're doing yeah for someone who you, you said you've got no medical or science background you've done uh fantastically well of, of getting the uh the, the basics and well, not the basics the fundamentals i should say uh, keep going so you know, and that's kind of what you have to lay down because we're just talking about the spike protein, and we're only talking about what what's what it's being observed doing in within nature. Mm. The amyloidogenesis, uh, there is, uh, I do have a hypothesis for how this works. I have it at the end of part two, and I don't want to get, I don't want to ruin the surprise because I think when you see it within the context of everything else, it's just going to be an aha that cannot be ignored. Okay. Um, so you know the amyloidogenesis the fibrinogenic response there, there are a couple different ways of explaining this uh and really what i wanted to figure out is you know what is the nature of these amyloid clots what are they made of and you know for seeing them mm. within nature how are they formed and what do they do mm. uh, you know so uh the fact that um there are specific pro protein sequences within that have been you know, pinged as having. Yeah. So the Nystrom paper, you know, that was one that, um, you know, in the preprint, they they were at, you know, they mentioned vaccines like twenty times that mm -hmm. it could be a problem with vaccines. Check that published version and see how many. Just do a control F for vaccine. I think it's like one or <laughs> that. Then it might have just been removed completely. Yeah. There you go um i've got i've got the preprint for you i can send it to you and it's in there sort of yeah i think i think it's close to 20 times and their concern being what what are we doing um artificially expressing this um this pep these peptide sequences of concern and the the, the synthetic protein doesn't have the glycosylation right not like not like the the virus does and so it may be a case that the that the synthetic forms are are primed in such a way that they they could be um, rea re reactive, well, more reactive than the uh, the wild type, as it were. So I don't know if you scroll back up to your um, the Doctor Beam one, so sort of mice and uh, okay. yeah, no, keep going, keep going up. Uh, yeah, that one. Um, so, I'm I'm making the presumption in that study they didn't they didn't check the the synthetic spike in this in this instance. Uh, no, because uh, in all of the well in in all of the papers like in Nature that talk about the vaccine, all of them say that 
um, they are made to produce the spike protein. Um, and then they insert two prolines in order to keep the S2 subunit mm -hmm. in a closed pre-fusion state. Mm -hmm. But they say specifically that they wanted to have the S1 subunit expressed as it exists within nature mm -hmm. as closely as possible. So as far as I'm aware, there have been no changes to the S1 subunit sequence itself other than the addition of um of methyl uridines to um, well, and the, co the codon optimi the codon optimization is another issue as well so it is uh the interesting thing is that there's also human codon optimization within the natural wild type within the s1 subunit that existed prior to them trying to mm -hmm. move with it or so they say mm. uh, you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, nothing, nothing to do with lab research till just leapt out of a bat cave. Just nineteen codons, you know, yeah. just yeah. You know, spontaneously, you know, showed themselves. You know, yeah. also happened to be patented by Moderna. Yeah, yeah, it's oh my god, <laughs> what a coincidence! Yeah, <laughs> fuck out of here. Uh, anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's let's keep diving on. So we got to the Nystrom uh, paper and the. Uh, yeah. So the... we're at amyloidogenesis. So yeah, I really I really see amyloidogenesis and the, uh, inflammation from fibrinogenic activity uh, leading to syncytia. Lymphocyte elimination kind of comes with it because you have all this muck mm. around, and then you really start to get into the microclotting and the thrombotic thrombocytopenia. Mm. Okay, and that's what's causing. I mean, you start, you get to that issue, and man, man you, you, internal hemorrhaging, no bueno. Mm. <laughs> I, don't care, I don't care how you want to layer it out. Um, that that's an issue, especially if you're going to do it from your capillaries. Mm. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. You know, I just, I just got. I'm relaying my own personal experience with what I'm. I, I'm. Hundred percent sure it was covid even though it was a few weeks earlier than they were saying it was circulating but um i just i, I just point to the fact that um, the thing that turned it around for me was aspirin and um Thursday night. I, I would have been I, I don't think i would have been here right now if it hadn't been for that and you know i it's a real bugbear of mine that the official response to people was we don't have any treatments right now go home take acetaminophen come back when your lips turn blue and if they just changed acetaminophen to aspirin i think they they would have um had a significant impact on on numbers but such a simple such a simple change and it wasn't done and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's history now. Um, there's not much we can do about it, but uh, yeah. you can try and make sure it never happens again. Well, yeah, that's the whole point of trying to bring these legal cases. Yep. So on the on the microclotting, because I know, that, and I kind of just want to mention this maybe for a more clinical. Uh, audience is that I know D-dimers tend to be kind of the go-to. Um, there are a couple of other tests that um, 
the recommend, I think I get that into the, into that in part two, that, that you can look at actually, it's, I can't remember. It's, it's a way that, that you can scan for uh, thromboembolisms um, before you start to get to D-dimers, because once the D-dimers uh, are showing, what you're really looking at is, is a breaking of these microclotting, and you're probably already in you know, a thrombocytopenic phase. So you really kind of want to um, run a a scan for thrombo. There you go, thrombo thromboelastography TEG scan right here. This is what was uh, they recommend that you run to look for these clots before the D dimer, because once you get to that point, it's it, you're later in the process. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then thrombotic. Well, actually, there's a, there's an important thing that uh, I just scored that, that um, the heparin binding as well, and heparin being sort of um, well, it's one of the medicines that they will use now um, to try to sort of uh, help with the, the coagulopathy. Um, mm -hmm. But again, at the beginning, they just weren't weren't using it. Yeah, and, you have to be careful. You have to be careful with heparin, though. Oh yeah, because heparin, heparin can also induce its own. It's, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't, uh, don't try that at home, kids. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, and there's a, um, well, you know, it gets into this issue, and you know, this is where I would keep running up again, and I would, I got very frustrated at the beginning. I was trying to tell people that you know it wasn't just the uh, respiratory disease etc and um all, all the all the push towards ventilators at at the time what what a what a tragic tragic waste of people and resources when you know there there were known known ways of dealing with um coagulation to stop you sort of getting to this, well, yeah, I, I don't know how true the footage I've seen where they're pulling out these clots from the heart, etc., and um, the Undertaker mm -hmm. footage. Um, I'm I'm making a presumption that uh, it's a observable phenomenon. I think they're trying to uh, keep a lid on it. Um, but... Or provide a, an alternate explanation, like the uh, the postulation that it's a fungus and it's hydrovulgaris, which is you know mm. growing or self-assembling nanobots that are you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I I find that very frustrating, and you know, people like Mike Adams should know better. Right now, um, you know, he has his hands on some of this material, and what's he going around saying? going on Alex Jones saying it's a uh, sort of um, you know nanobot synthetic biology when there's a far more parsimonious explanation in in these you know, clots yeah, in, the, in the biology of existence you know mm. <laughs> let's work with what's real yeah uh, before we jump nanobots and but it it's it it, thro it throws people off the trail it gets people down a rabbit hole that ultimately is fruitless and then it also paints those who are you know really looking into this as oh you're conspiracy theorists you know and it doesn't help 
know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem. It is a huge problem. Mm. But, you know, and not to say that there isn't, and I kind of get that, actually, I'm looking at writing a part four, but let's just stick to the biology and try and focus on what's happening, mm. you know, within tissues and mechanisms before we start to go cybernetic mm. on this, mm. you know. Yeah. I agree. There may be, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, dude. But let's uh, let's stick to biology that we can work with first off. Um, so anyway, we, we we're getting to the nicotinic. So if there's a, a development here that I've missed, I'm interested. To... I, I do want to just kind of ping on this because I don't necessarily know, and within the research that I I found, it did not. Um, mentioned binding. What it mentioned was activation. Mm. So, so you, you have to presume a uh, uh, acting as a ligand at the nic nicotinic receptor, and it's a it's an irreversible um, ligand binding, from my understanding. So it gets on there and it acts as an antagonist for choline. Mm -hmm. And this and this compounds the uh, the inflammatory state, right? So the vagal nerve activation of uh, when you dropped off the call last time, I was sort of going through this um, is is there and helps control clotting, helps control the inflammatory response, cytokine storms, whatever, however you want to sort of define it. And um, it's it's just one of those one of those features of the the spike protein that to me i'm like ah you know that's just it's bloody convenient right that it it just happens to have that effect as well before you know coupled with all the other uh, problematic peptides and and so if you if you take this irreversible blockade of the cholinergic receptor coupled with the um you know, the shotgun effect of cleaved uh, amyloidogenic peptides running around you've you've made that uh bushfire of inflammation right and the body is going to struggle to uh to bring it under control and you know, yeah may, may, maybe it just maybe it is chance that it just jumped out of a bat like that um but i'm um I, i'm too suspicious at the moment and especially when i see the way people are acting yeah it is it's bananas and the thing is that it's also um found to be beneficial in preventing inflammatory conditions such as ards yeah imagine that yeah. you know cytokine storm within the lungs that's like there's so many reports for the same thing oh, it's COVID 19 illness mm. it's ards you know it's cytokine storm it's what's killing you bro yeah you know, really um, the other thing is that the way that this was found and, and, and this particular sequence, this particular piece of the puzzle was kind of, um, you know, snake in the water. Oh, there's a, there's like a, like a, a snake toxin, you know, mm -hmm. but re really the way that the reason why this was associated with a snake toxin is because of the antibody that it was associated with. Right. So they found the antibodies and as well as the epitope um, for, for COVID-1, mm -hmm. the 16 antibodies. So 
the way they tracked down the sequence was through an active immune response that was in the blood, mm. you know. And then when you when you start to get into anti-idiotype antibodies, you know, you you run into a situation where you can't have this homologous sequence running around and the body's producing it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if we start getting into the uh, autoimmune yeah. conditions, and yeah, it's just a, again, it's perfect storm all the time, and just a little bit too convenient for my liking right now. And then where the sequence is located, you know, with, within the receptor binding domain, amino acids 306 to 527, which is right next to the part that um, attaches to ACE2. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, and the thing is, it's not the only one in there. Um, there, are, there are a number of um, cholinergic binding sites. And... <laughs> the the homology with the conotoxin is this, a, yeah. um is is a again one of those ones that just leaps out at me and says you know you've got to you've got to have sort of parsimonious phylogeny as, as to how something as disparate as a cone snail an invertebrate is carrying a, a, a functional peptide in an invertebrate that's a known neurotoxin just happens, just happens to be uh, in the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2. And my, my understanding is, is that it's not, um, it, it's significantly different to other SARS, that it, it should be, uh, it should be being looked at in more detail right now. Oh, I see you've got that on the screen, actually, so we can make the comparison yep. there. So actually, no, it's not that different. Mm -hmm. And it's homologous. It's not mm -hmm. identical. Mm -hmm. You know, so we're looking at is a homology. It's like it. Mm -hmm. So at that point, okay, well, what homology exists in order to um, initiate uh, a pathogenic response that is uh, venom-like? Mm -hmm. And I did find that out. And what it's related to is acetylcholinesterase. Mm -hmm. um, what I found, and I kind of go over this over in part two. Let me see. I'll just, I'll just go to that part mm -hmm. right now. I start to get into the blood um, and long-term changes to blood cells within COVID. Let me just wrap this up real quick. This mm -hmm. is part one. Um, and then I'll, I'll jump over into the homology. Um, ARDS, cytokine storm, I'm going to, you know, that's basically what it is. A lot of people, and this is what... Well, my, my, my colleague, uh, Flemming, would be saying, Flemming from bike response, uh, not cytokine storms. It's uh, all this newfangled jargon. Yeah, well, cytokines, you know, are specific, mm. you know, aspects. You know, thrombotic is, I think, is something different. Um, and that's where I think the cytokine storm is really where we start to get into the body's own functions, mm. starting to form a chronic and pathogenic um, aspect of this disease on their own that is kind of separate. Yeah, well, you know, this is where you get into this question of, you know, people people that ask me, you know, why, why, why do why things like these cascades and what have you? But it's it's an evolved response to that the body is prepared to initiate on itself as a protective mechanism. 
Yep. Right, that that's Absolutely. how you have to think of it, and you the hope is that it's a short, sharp shock to the system, such that your your body gets on top of the uh, pathology. Hang on, that is working. And what they found is the you know the lower your sugar intake, the better that you can be. What what what, what they said. What I found is. Um, uh, glycation of the ACE2 receptor. So the more sugar that you have in your body, um, the less vitamin D that you have in your body, the more glycation of the ACE2 receptor, it changes the shape mm. and causes it to be more prone to binding. That's why diabetics have a real tough time with this mm. because their ACE2 receptors are overly glycated to the point where mm. they, have their, they are diabetic and they're just more prone to binding. Um, do, do you do you follow uh, ethical skeptic? I don't. Uh, so um, he he's been sort of following the mortality reports and um, the well, basic basically for about the last three four months, CDC has been hiding. Um, let me just see if I can share my screen with you. Let's uh, just bring up. It's me, and the, all, on his Twitter right now. All this, um, all this excess death, all, all has. Um, God, my spelling wow. sucks. Um, you can think of them as expressions of amyloidogenic type disorders, and um, diabetes is one of those systemic. Um, amyloidogenic diseases and um, in in these hidden deaths that they had you know we, we can see that there's some increase in dementia and heart attacks but um, death from diabetes has skyrocketed and um, well. just this substack uh, it yeah so let me just share my screen with you so he's he's been watching out for um well basically this dam to break as have we all uh, because we know that there's this excess death but and it's coming from you know, chronic uh chronic type disorders <laughs> let me this oh, why can't i share screen with you uh, oh, maybe I'm sharing. Hold on, let me. No, no, no. It's it's. I've I've covered the. Um, uh, let's do that. Go live. So, uh, let's see if we can get down to the figures. Yeah. So you know, it's it's there all in the graphs, um, and you can see uh, non-COVID natural death, and there's three hundred forty-four thousand extra. And you can see that diabetes is well, it's been a problem, you could probably argue, since mm. um, vaccines. Well, you know, when were the first vaccines? December 2020. So, you know, SARS was known to cause a problem, but we're still seeing increases despite vaccination. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those indicators of this. You know, systemic 
uh, assault on the body and you know and funnily enough there's not um you know influenza pneumonia is down well maybe they were cooking the books a little bit in that uh, domain but lower respiratory infections is not so much and not covid you want to find uh alzheimer's yeah, about heart disease. You can see the screen, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, where's the? Did I just miss? Oh, maybe it. Maybe it was in a Twitter tweet that he did. Just seeing heart disease. Yeah, I got to check them out. I mean, excess deaths. They, you can't hide it anymore. Well, uh, yeah, I would you know, be very careful saying that. Because if they think if they well, think they have to, they will. Insurance companies are showing forty percent increase in January. There's some insurance companies are showing a hundred and sixty percent increase. Mm. They say that ten percent is a one in two hundred year occurrence. Yeah. But that, that, what they'll do is, is they'll just say to the insurance company, "Shut up. We'll, we'll give you your money." Be quiet. No, insurance, insurance. Like I've, I've actually heard through a couple of different people that insurance companies are actually looking to gear up and starting to sue big pharma. Uh, like, yeah, and, but I, I would imagine in that instance they'll just say, "Well, we'll just, uh, we'll keep this on the down low. Here's your money." And, um, I, like I say, this, this degree of excess death that we're seeing, it's going to be a massive hmm. settlement massive you can't hide it man i mean because you're going to start to get into the reinsurers pockets it's not insurance companies it's reinsurance companies and when yeah don't put, I, I don't put anything past them dude just i i, I don't follow so i mean that that being what it is we just need to kind of push forward and you know yeah and the, and the way to do that is um did, did your screen go off? Yeah, I stopped sharing so that oh, I could okay, see yours. Okay. So anyway, I, I just wanted to show, show you that data. And, I need to look, need to look them up. Uh, ethical skeptic. It's, it's the guide. I'll send you the link anyway. Bring your screen back up and okay. we'll, we'll carry on. So part two, so with part one, you know, we kind of went over just the spike protein, mm. you know, this harm, this harmless, harmless yeah. spike protein. <laughs> what a crockhead. I can't believe these guys. So part two, what I really started to go into is the blood and the immune system. Mm. And the first thing is just looking at the physical changes of the mm. blood. So in the gray, kind of along here is the size of what, I can't remember what kind of cell this was. I believe this is a macrophage. Okay. All right. Um, and then you can see in kind of like the orangish tan, mm -hmm. how a COVID infective cell, you can see just the size of these mm -hmm. things. Immense, talking like two, three times the size of what it is mm -hmm. naturally. And you have these things floating around and the capillaries are very small and they already got a squeeze to get through. And now mm. the three times as big trying to squeeze it to get through. Mm. Perhaps with, you know, perhaps as part of a syncytia because you have a fibrinogenic binding between them and 
that's what's causing a lot of the clotting. Just mm -hmm. from an inflammatory state, the cells are huge. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know? So now this is where I start to get into um, why Alpha 7 activation can be a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Because of phospholipases. I found this study where they talk about the CMC balance, um, that there is a balance of esterase. And what ends up happening is that when esterase reaches a certain concentration uh, within the synaptic cleft, within, the, within, the, within that localized area, the body will then um, begin to produce phospholipases. So... Here's my theory, and I'm a, this is a hypothesis, but I think it's well-founded knowing this. Mm. So here we have an activation of alpha-7. The, the response of, of, of the of receptor being activated is a release of acetylcholine esterase within the synaptic cleft. But there isn't going to be any acetylcholine there for it to bind to. So if it, for me, it's like, how many times are you going to push this button? Mm. Well, and, and, it, and it's irreversible, the, the, the binding. Uh, well, is it? Is it, though? Apparently. <sighs> you know, or, or how, how many are there? So yeah, that's, that's the question. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so we're working on conjecture. We don't really know. Um, it, it, you know, you can have an eight, you can have an ACE2 receptor bound right next to it, and it's just going bing, 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 bing over and over and over again. Mm. Well, I mean, the, the, the yeah, there's there's a this idea of uh, binding kinetics, and oh, you know, there's uh, well, it's theory, right? It's kick. It is theory. Uh, bio, bio, biochemistry theory of uh, association, dissociation, and what's the association constant versus the sort of electrostatic binding potential. And um, I'm my sort of heuristic in these um, in, in this sort of detailed biochemistry is, is I just I tend to think about charge distribution and um, islands of stability rather than um, the wet chemistry paradigm that we, we sort of grew up with that's the consequence of um, in the previous sort of 100 years that's that's how i because otherwise the the, the metabolic pathways are almost sort of intractable with indeterminate species right that they're, they're, they're hypothesized to sort of exist Football is back, and the um, and, and literally they, they they basically just keep sort of filling out more and more. And if you've ever have you ever seen the the metabolic pathway posters that you can get? They're, they're sort of classic. Um, <laughs> you would see them in every lab, and um, you know that they insanely insanely complex and. Um, in, in like I say, in these instances, I I sort of move back towards um, yeah the electrostatics more more than anything, and if there's a well, whichever one's going to have the stronger binding, 
depending like you could have the cholinergic receptor there right and if there's no um ace2 next to it or neuropilin that's all it's going to bind to and i would i i sort of work along well whichever one has the strongest electrostatic affinity that's that's where it's gonna um leverage its effects on that particular pathway mm-hmm. um, and and i think now for for the rest of our discussion, I, I, I don't want you to consider this as being attached to the virus itself. Mm. I, I'd rather you look at this as this is a standalone S1 spike. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I, I try to think about it in those terms all the time. Free, free floating um, peptide. This is, and actually, I'm sort of writing a. A project proposal right now, which which basically says instead of using the uh, the virus itself as the study as part of the study platform, is to use peptides and, and mm-hmm. in, in whether they're wrapped in lipids or you know you just get a recombinant version, etc., and and see if you can leverage the theoretical or the theoretical space with respect to symptoms by um changing the administration route right so you know one of the one of the quickest ways in my mind to establish that there could be a um a a problem with the vaccines is is to start doing like iv administration like we would in modeling neurotoxic disorders and you know so like a classic that we use is something called MPTP, and there are multiple ways of getting it into the brain. And how you how you do that will depend on the type of model that expresses. But I think if we can show that we can take, well, you know, the vaccine MI, the synthetic mRNA, combine it with other amyloidogenic sequences that we know peptides that we know are part of the expression profile of SARS because there's I don't know if you're familiar with uh, open reading frame six and ten have you have you seen that um not not off the top of my head okay so these these peptides are not not found in other SARS viruses but have been shown to be amyloidogenic in themselves, they're non-structural proteins. They're accessory, accessory proteins, um, but again, highly amyloidogenic. And and so that we get into this situation where, you know, you, it might be a combination of viral exposure first, and then you be exposed to the uh, the synthetic peptide. That's really the what's contraindicated here. And if if it's a case that you you've got this sort of chronic reservoir that's spitting out these these accessory peptides, which they're sort of demonstrating. I'll see if I can find the paper for you. So it's important paper, um, and it's not just that nucleocapsid protein as well is um, does the same thing. But uh, let me just do this. Four, six, ten, and you combine that with, like you say, a cleaved S one peptide well again you you've got this um i i just call it shotgunning through through systems and the problem problem is is that 
um, there's there's small peptides, so they're they're gonna cross barriers far far easier than um, than the whole virus itself, and they can get in there, make make boundaries leaky, and then the virus can get in and start um, uh, causing so causing problems and. But I can't a whole host of problems. Let me just bring because it's important paper. This one. And 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 I guess with this, what I'll just say is that you know, in, in terms of the phospholipase and severe COVID, you know, we're looking at you know actual observations within nature. Mm. You know, people who have had severe COVID and are finding you know these phospholipases within their blood. So this isn't like a me saying, oh, well, you know, this might happen. Like, no, there, there is phospholipase in severe COVID. Where is it coming from? How is it getting there? You know, what ex what explanations you know scientifically exist to to provide it? And this was the only one that I could find that somehow even made sense. Mm. Do you do you follow Walter Chestnut? I did when he was on Twitter before he got banned. Yeah, so he's he's sort of honing in uh, as he does on um, you know autoimmunity to phospholipid right now, and um, yeah, it's again the the molecular mimicry component of SARS just seems to continue to have these stings in the tail, and. Um, and again, I think you know it's it's going to be very difficult to point at one specific mechanism. Um, right, because this could also be a result of CD8 and CD16 mm. taking care of business, and then you have just you know extra granules and uh, perforins which mm. are there, which essentially that's what they are—they're phospholipases, mm. or at least the perforins are. Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, I agree with you, dude. Um, yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> get no objection from me. Swiss Army knife, you know, yeah. there's multiple ways. This this was just an interesting one that uh, because of the esterase um, phospholipase balance, and this one just really stuck out me mm. with the alpha seven there. For me, it was just like this is really interesting. I it, I think again might be looked into. Mm. Um, well, I, you know, I, I think there is um, people people are doing that, but again, it's about sort of joining the dots together and. In, in my mind, again, I'm, I'll just come back to we've got to put it in a test platform and see what happens. Yep, uh, we do. And then you're familiar with anti-idiotype antibodies? Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so your body producing, you know, an ACE2 binding. <laughs> yeah. Big problem. I'll yeah. skip that. But that that's, I had no idea that your body could do that, create, in essence, a viral uh, antigen, which can attack the body in the same way that the virus does, or mm. in the same way that S1 subunit does, mm. you know, and it all depends upon where that antibody um, that it's imprinted upon binds to, you know, it could be one that attaches to the ACE2, it could be one that attaches to Alpha 7. Yeah, you know? um, uh, I, wish, I wish there was, uh, I, I wish it was just a case to take some aspirin at, at this point, <laughs> but the point, the point is to not get to this stage, right? And, um, but the, exactly. the early treatment, man. Oh, yeah. And the way you, and the best early treatment would be a TMPR, TMPRSS2 
um, inhibitor, you know. So. Yeah, the fusion fusion peptide inhibitors. Uh, again, shout out to Charles Rixey. He's in the chat right now. And, um, you know, it's... <laughs> well, um, I'm not... I, I don't... I, I take ivermectin. Look, I was taking it the other week when I was in Tokyo. Um, uh, merely because I, I just think it's generally well tolerated and it may may help but um are you, are you familiar with the fusion peptide inhibitor story and I'm not okay. i don't know what you mean by story so uh with with hiv uh this is so you're sort of going back to 15 years now they discovered that there were these class of peptides that would stop the uh the hiv virion fusing to its target um receptor so uh what's a, a chemokine five right hiv mm -hmm. and the um and this sort of emerged in the literature and the then it all went quiet and literally literally they know that these peptide fusion inhibitors work for SARS and so they've they've had an antidote I went so I I sort of will often mention that you know if if this is a consequence of dual use research either either just accident or or whatever you know people will say to me well why would why would they release something if they don't have a antidote well they do and it's these fusion peptide inhibitors which which block um the ability of the virus to bind to I have to, I have to there's a chinese study again from with what it's called ekc ekc 144 114 fusion peptide inhibitors and so the chinese have them and um we have them potentially and um, they could have been rolled out at the beginning, but again, they've um, they've just railroaded everyone into this. Uh, vaccines is the only um, the only uh, solution to this problem, and there I think we're we're seeing what is the core the core problem here. Uh, I get everything in. Uh, oh no, switch to English. Um, I keep talking, dude, while I look for that paper. <laughs> um, so, uh, where were we? Okay, so uh, let's let's start to get into long COVID. Mm. Um, and non-classical monocytes specifically. Because um, Bruce Patterson, uh, CEO of Incel DX, um, he's, he runs a covidlonghaulers.com. He's treated about 30,000 patients for long haul. Um, on, uh, on this, I provide uh, a lecture that he gives at uh, Georgetown University on the mm -hmm. diagnosis and treatment where he goes over specific biomarkers that he has found within the patients that he's treated. Mm -hmm. It is probably the most comprehensive um, presentation that I have found on long COVID, and it is very condensed, you know, less than an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you have some time, definitely check it out. 
because his observations have been clinically proven. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with his uh, name, but I, I found one fusion peptide fusion in the bit, but it's not the paper I was uh, looking for. But this one's um, geared towards uh, peptides. Where's uh, Where's Charles when you need him? <laughs> I know he's in the chat. What's the What's that peptide? Fusion inhibitor EKC one one four. I'm sure it's something like that. I, I I'll take it. Whenever you, whenever whenever Charles can get it to you, I'll take it. Please. Uh, it's, it's, he talks about it all the time. I should just look at his Substack probably. Let me let me do that. Yeah, need to pass it. So what what he found is that the S one subunit itself, when presented as an antigen by non-classical monocytes is what causes long COVID. Say that again. The non-classical monocytes. Yeah, cleaved S1 subunit. And right, so non-classical monocytes, meaning? M2 monocytes, M2 macrophages. Um, CD14 low, CD16 positive, I think. What's what's the matter? Why is he saying that? Sorry. Because he thinks it's making lag for him. It's not making lag for him. Okay, so it's just he's playing on your laptop. Yeah, it's just a laptop. NFL Plus is here. Tell, tell him to use computer downstairs. Sorry, dude. All good, man. Um, non-classical monocytes. Um, I, I've just I know I have them listed as M two macrophages mm -hmm. and to sum it up he says or if i remember correctly that when they are presented as an antigen around the body that they're inducing pathogenic response okay. and in whatever form that that is, but really the form that it would be within it would be within the type of um, responses that we're seeing from it in natural infection. Mm. Uh, then he also says that uh, I've also read that increases the senescence, so the the lifespan mm. of the monocytes, um, and it. It's really what you have to do is uh, you need a CCR five. Um, antagonist, you know, or inhibitor mm. to prevent uh, that exchange from the non-classical monocyte to the endothelial cell or epithelial. So that's, and he uses uh, Maraviroc um, and a number of other, but the main one that he mentions uh, is Maraviroc. He goes into immense detail. He is a whiz. Uh, I respect him tremendously um, within his work and the breakdown he, that he has. I'm not doing it justice here, mm. um, just as a kindergartner, really. No, you're doing great, dude. Um, it's stretching me, so uh, keep um, keep yeah. going. So, so the monocytes, um, which it's their job to remove debris, you know, they themselves can become, uh, in, in essence. Um, a problem. They become a, a, a carrier of pathogenic sequelae around the body. They can cross the blood brain barrier and then they go into your brain and they start saying, hey, look out for this guy. Look out for this guy. And what do you have? You have 
amyloidogenesis. You have, you know, so for me, this is really the key to it being able. So not only the, yes, the spike protein travels, but you know, it's going to be removed. The body is going to deal with it, but now we have the body's own mechanisms for removal being turned against itself as in essence, a carrier of sequel A. In essence, your body starts to act like COVID. If the S1 subunit is the main driver of pathogenicity of the virus and your macrophages are showing it, they're basically acting like COVID. And that's what he found. Welcome to Thursday Night Football. You know, and, and this is, and it's no joke, man. This is, you know, this is mm. serious. This is, this is a disability. Is this another ADA mm. um, by the Department of HHS? Um, and is a huge problem, like upwards of about. 30% of individuals that are exposed to this protein are going to get long COVID. Yeah. You know? And, and you know, the data is coming out now that the vaccines just don't prevent long COVID. You know, if, if, there, if there was one reason that you might roll up your sleeve would be that, okay, you, that you're not worried about the lethality, but, you know, a sort of quality of life suppressing um, condition like yeah. uh, you know these me cfs type pask um and i i think they're all they're all very similar uh in their in their mechanisms and and he breaks it down he breaks down me cfs he breaks down um he, actually he finds that a lot of markers are getting confused with lyme disease mm. interestingly enough mm. um and that it's the he says that it's the closest in terms of um, confusion within the biomarkers that there's like a homology within the expression mm. um, of, of the immune system. Um, and the reason that uh, it does not help long COVID sufferers is because the more times that you are exposed to an antigen or a pathogen, mm. the more primed that your system yeah. becomes or your innate immune system becomes primed to uh, absorb these um, through either active antibodies and uh, a fraction constant. So it's interesting because the more times that you're you're introduced to a pathogen, the more prime that you are, uh, your innate immune system or your macrophages are to to in essence uptaking the whole virus. Mm. And if it uptakes the whole virus, then it becomes infected, mm. and then it starts to duplicate the virus as a macrophage. Right? Yeah. Like that's what we're supposed to prevent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and that's really what when you start to get into antibody dependent enhancement mm. you know? yeah, and you know this this is so far removed from what they're telling people right the, the cartoon version of biology clinical pathology etc that they they push out every day and you know with you know, hundred percent safe and effective, etc. And um, once you once you've sort of pulled back the curtain somewhat, and you do you, you do get a handle on these pathways and mechanisms. Um, so the the way that MSM has approached this, the way that governments have approached this, is from a military psychological mm. operation. Yep, yep. So, so that every day, media, dude. 
media is nothing more than another arm of intelligence agencies within the individual countries themselves. Mm. Most of them were founded by former intelligence officers. Mm. Well, which is compounded by the fact that you've got this these quasi-private military organizations now that uh, that deal in information warfare right and you know they're, they're all they'll all have a algorithm that they they'll, they'll tell that says we can we can go and do this and it's it's incredibly disturbing when once you dig dig into these well i, I don't know tools tools of oppression basically is, is what they what they are this isn't a public health Thing. This isn't about having a nuanced discussion. This is about yeah. mass control and uh, and feeding at the trough while doing it. And um, yeah, and they're trying to push people into a transhuman type of existence that is defined by whatever the TV tells them. Mm. You know, with mm. the best you know, twenty-four hour news cycle. It's disgusting. Mm. Well, it's the it's the QR code existence, right? Yeah. And and you can you can see. I don't know if you've seen these recent videos from that sort of come out of China. It's they sort of they'll, they'll say that oh this area is in shutdown, and then literally there's a sort of like mass stampedes with the exits as as people get the warning on their phones and they they're trying to get out of the you know the the zone of yeah, containment like the red, red zone or something. Mm. It's been, yeah. Yeah. Like you're in a mall, you're shopping, you're, you're eating. Uh, I mean, you got your nice little like Philly cheese, you know, cheese steak sub with extra onions, man. Yeah. You know, you like I was like, bleep, bleep, bleep. What? I mean, seriously, because someone got a cough. Really? Give me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what they want, dude. That's that's where they're going. And the the real issue is, is that it's it's a it's a it can be commodified. Right, and they make business out of it. And in a in a world of ever increasing automation, the people yeah. who, uh, who want to stay at the top and keep their slice of the pie need to make these new. Um, you know, what's the, what's the name for those <laughs> incredibly complex uh, mousetraps? Oh, it escapes me right now. You know, where you, <laughs> just, you, know, you could catch the rat, or you could make a sort of endless. In, infinite sort of complex contraption to uh to trigger the final spring um but they they want to sort of make systems like that that keep people sort of hypnotized and yeah part of the part of the program for that is to establish these concept of emerging new emerging infectious diseases which um in my opinion, the consequence of them going out hunting for them, bringing them back to the laboratory, building a library, and um, rolling them out right now. I wish I wish I wish I had more um, cheery way of uh, <laughs> describing it, um, but it is what it is. But uh, for people who are listening, I just saw the chat chat here's the fusion i just said i've sent it to you um but here's the peptide fusion inhibitor paper and of course um ah it's logged me out of my how dare you 
Why would it do that? You still there, dude? Is this working still? I, no. I'm back. Oh, okay. You good? Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, one of those odd glitches. It's my, it's my ISP. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering about what my ISP is up to as well. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, I just zeroed out of my ISP. They said, nope, sorry. We cannot have you talking about this stuff right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, restream chat just kicked me out. Why? What? Is that? Uh, oh, is that PayPal? Sorry, dude. It might just be that because um, they took away my PayPal. Okay. Uh, no, it did, did log in. Um, oh, I see. That's my uh, retarded spelling. Um, okay, that should have fixed the problem. Uh, and people are asking in the chat, ivermectin HCQ. Um, I'm I'm of the opinion right now, folks, you, you do whatever it is that you can to stop yourself getting into these states that Anthony is describing right now. Mm-hmm. Anything in it, mitigation, mitigation, mitigation. Absolutely. Ivermectin really good to prevent uh, cell, uh, nuclear intrusion from the spike protein into the nucleus, so then protects your DNA. Uh, it also helps to prevent the splitting because uh, it is kind of it is a protease inhibitor in itself, specifically for TNPRSS2. Uh, interestingly enough. Um, to help to keep the spike protein whole. HCQ has a couple different um, aspects of mechanisms of action. You have, uh, it, it helps to reduce glycation. So it helps to re you know, change the shape of the ACE2 receptor to reduce binding. Uh, it also um, uh, is a zinc ionophore, which many people say, oh, well, you can substitute quercetin for that specific aspect to alkalize uh, the, um, uh, the cell to help to reduce uh, viral replication. And then it also, interestingly enough, a couple papers found that it can direct the immune system to the cells that need to be dealt with. So it has like this odd targeting mechanism that is still kind of unknown, mm -hmm. kind of just emerged, um, interestingly enough, within, uh, I believe it was Moderna's own papers. Hmm. It was in one of the, you know, they, they were trying, or it was a paper that was trying to detract it. And within their own data people found this you know that it has this targeting um kind of uh mechanism so yeah if you can do it you yeah know, anything anything that you can mitigation 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 yeah uh the other thing um what i personally use because hcq is um you know in some places uh a pharmaceutical that it's only available by prescription i use tonic water I yeah. use, I drink a liter in the morning, a liter at night for a week. So two a day for a week. And then I drink a liter a day because quinine is the natural form of chloroquine mm. and hydroxychloroquine is the hydrolyzed version of chloroquine. So if you can get the natural. Oh, we lost you again, bro. Um, but as a addendum to that, uh, <laughs> you know, people have pointed to citrus peel as well um if you want to get uh quinines uh i'm i don't know I, again um me personally i you know i, I have supplement and pharma fatigue <laughs> all i all i have to take 
but the the yeah to just especially with what we're seeing in the data right now is that you're it's not going away right the all-cause mortality is going up and i i would lay a lot of money on it being these chronic chronic conditions that can be defined by um uh, amyloidogenesis you back row still gone um but yeah you know again this is an, another example of someone who's taken the time to sit down read the studies uh get a handle on the vernacular and um start delving in and it, it's the work becomes approachable and you know there's people like myself who'll try and happily answer questions for you and uh help put you in the right direction i'm watching lots of things drop in and out i wonder am i streaming you are uh, oh you bet okay uh, <laughs> uh yeah it's odd I, like i say, i don't know well i know i know that i'm a, a target for uh censorship and that's not new to me so um, i just i just have to try and be on the ball when streaming <laughs> to, uh, just to make sure that I'm, t I'm talking to the world not to myself gotcha sweet so i'd like to get it to the anti-body dependent enhancement yeah um yeah th there, there's another aspect um called um original antigenic sin i don't know if you're familiar with that concept but, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, the idea of priming mm. um, a system to react and only produce a spike protein that might not even be anything related just because it's being triggered to produce uh, mm. an immune response. You know, yeah. um, but where antibody-dependent enhancement really comes in, you know, it happens when a viral-specific antibody promotes viral entry into host monocytes, mm. macrophages and granulocytes. And when it enhances viral infection in cells by interplay with the fraction constant receptor or a complement receptor. Mm -hmm. So in essence, when, um, so the fraction constant, constant receptor is what um, your immune cells are looking to bind to after the antibody has bound to the antigen that it's designed for. So when the macrophages or even um, natural killer cells are out there and they see a fraction constant that they're designed, you know, like, like a interfering, like a, like a gamma. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, a, a, a gamma, con a gamma constant, it'll react by pulling it in. Mm. And that's, and, and there are five different mechanisms of doing that. Um, I outline them. You know, or provide them as the research provides them here mm. and in essence the more times that you're vaccinated the higher the likelihood of antibody dependent enhancement mm. or infection of your monocytes and macrophages which is it's AIDS bro yeah it's AIDS yeah you know? um you know that's that's the question that's being asked right now you know are we are we looking at a novel a novel form of uh, AIDS 
Um, and especially if it's being induced via repeated exposure to these uh, these new gene transfection approaches. Um, uh, I, it's a, it seems perfectly plausible to me with my understanding of the biology. And um, yeah, I, you know, I think we'll we'll really get a good look at what that that looks like uh, this winter. Mm -hmm. So I really go into a lot of detail on here, and I, I'm not going to go into all of the ins and outs because it's immense. I, we mm. could probably spend an hour just on ADE itself. Yeah, I, I, I always say to you, like, I know, I know it exists. I know it's an issue, and um, I'm just uh, let other people deal with that bit. I'll stick in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so we'll we'll, ju we'll just skip to the end, right? <laughs> and we're going to skip to the end of pyroptosis. Mm. Okay. Um, and in essence, what you have is you know it's like apoptosis, except with chemokines. And what's being apoptized are your monocytes. They are your white blood cells. Mm. So, you know, you're looking for uh, a mechanism of action for lymphocytopenia. Mm. Here's one. Yeah. You know, and one with massive effects because once those cytokines, the interleukin, those other chemokines, once they start bleeding out into the system, it's interesting to, to look at the immune system because it's very similar to the nervous system. Yeah. 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 You know, you have a number of cells which have their own activity, and then you have like this whole chemical aspect, mm. you know, kind of like neurotransmitters, which are there. Mm. And there's, I don't know, I found a lot of, a lot of um, similarities. Yeah. There's, a lot of analogs. Yeah. You know, like um, you just dendritic cells, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah, they are they are dendritic cells. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what they mm. <laughs> exactly what they are. Um, so when pyroptosis um, happens, you have obviously you lose that white blood cell, you lose that functionality, but you also have a lot of this tumor ne necrosis factor, mm. um, interleukin one. You have a lot of these all you know, no bueno chemokines start to bleed into the into the body, mm. and you know then you start to look at antibody dependent cellular toxicity mm. um, through the act. You know, it, it's a whole mess. Yeah. It's a mess. And basically what you're looking at is your immune system is churning against your body. Mm. It is an autoimmune disorder, which then starts to lead into these chronic inflammation. And you start to get a lot of these, um, the chronic expression of SARS-CoV-2 and mm. post-acute sequel A and long COVID. Um, the thing is, there's, there's no, there's no, there hasn't been a... Well, it's been understood for a while, this chronic inflammation issue. Mm -hmm. But the the problem is, is that we, we just don't find good ways of, and again, I suppose it's the earlier you catch the fire, the better. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you would, you, you could sort of take this cartoon view of the, of the biology, and that's what I sort of touched on earlier at the beginning, which is, well, if amyloid's a problem in dementia and in, in inflammation that we have supposedly tools to stop these things but um we can't we, we uh once once the process has taken a hold it's, it's very very difficult to turn the ship around 
and you 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 see that in the you know young people who who get into this uh, this chronic this chronic state you know they they were literally healthy a few weeks before and then no matter what and i've been through this mm -hmm. twice now in my 20s and after it took me a long time to recover after uh, SARS. Um, the, yeah, again, this is, I suppose, diet and um, what have you and uh, wholesome lifestyle. Stop stop those drinking good uh, cigarettes, folks. Lay off the ecstasy pills. That's what I say. Yeah. Cool. Everything in moderation, folks. Everything in moderation. Mm. <laughs> well, I just, I, I just wonder, uh, you know, CBDs, maybe, as a, as mm -hmm. a more sort of long term, long term way of treating the, the, that state. But you know, I've, I've tried that. It just doesn't. I, I don't find it that, that effective for, for them. Because you have to address the innate arm. Because as far as I have been able to, or at least so far within the research that I've accepted as being true, what inflammation is, is the principal process used by the innate arm to combat and clear out microbes and damaged cells, which is why I think um, Patterson is so successful because he is addressing non-classical monocytes, which are macrophages. So just for the folks listening, what's his, uh, what's his go-to combination to, to get them under control? Do, uh, ivermectin, but the primary, uh, the primary one is Maraviroc. Maraviroc, Maraviroc, there Triple you go. therapy, HIV treatment. Ah, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it is a CCR5 antagonist. So if Maraviroc is in it, it's basically you need to look at CCR5 antagonists, mm. whatever they are. I'm sure there are a couple of other ones that are out there, but I believe they're all name brand and they're going to they're gonna cost a little bit. Mm. Uh, if you wanted a resource, if you're suffering from long COVID, um, covid long haulers.com that's him yeah this is his website for patients mm. go in sign up five easy steps they'll they need your blood they need to figure out what's going on based upon your blood profile they will design you you know they'll they'll know what category they need to put you in mm. this is they are in my opinion, this is the only place to go to in the world for dealing with long COVID. This is the only place in the world to deal with um, adverse events due to a vaccination. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of other issues that come up with vaccination, but really what it comes down to is treating the S1 subunit within your monocytes. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you need to do would be to clear out the mRNA. And when you're dealing with the methylsuduridine, because there's no real research on it yet within the human body, we're still collecting it right now. Mm. Hello, guinea pigs. Yeah. 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 Oh, hang on one minute, dude. What's, what's the matter, big boy? 
What's up? Daddy, daddy's working still. He'll tell you when he's done, okay? Sorry, bro. Can't no worries. Cool. So chronic inflammation in cytokines, um, you know, really looking at damage associated molecular patterns and pathogen associated. These is, you know, how your innate immune system senses whether this is cellular damage that it needs to deal with or mm. pathogenic foreign substances that need to be dealt with. Uh, interestingly enough, the methylsudouridine is specifically designed to right. avoid right. pamps and damps. So, you know, oh, wow, gee. And then it's funny because now we're starting to see like adenoviruses and a couple of other viruses start to have like this kind of methylsudouridinated kind of character to them. They don't even, they have, they have no clue what they've... No, no. Well, you know, I was looking at this paper the other day where they're, they've shown that they're able to um, target reservoir HIV after exposure to these mRNA vaccines. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mind just can't help switching to the fact that maybe maybe that could be one of the drivers for this what we're seeing this this push for crazy um vaccination in in that they're trying to squash hiv right and the way to do that is to have is to take it all out at once via this um this new technology that's cooked well, the, the problem with that paper is, is that, that even though they can get the residual HIV to begin expressing, um, it does, they seem unable to still get it under control. But, um, yeah, let me just see if I can find that paper for you. I'll put that in the, otherwise I, I forget all these things, dude. I'm supposed to be building bibliography just for this paper that I'm doing right now. And I just, Oh, I'm so out of practice. <laughs> Painful. Painful for me. Um, let's do this. I don't know where I've got it, but let me just grab this here and put this one here. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things that I have to add to the sort of probability matrix of why are they acting the way that they are? Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I can hear kids screaming. Um, keep talking, dude. Just, just bear with me. Gotcha. Entertain crowd for a second. So I guess, uh, you know, when we're looking at um, cytok cytokines, or chemokines, we're really talking about the same thing. And we're uh, kind of looking at chronic inflammation. A lot of times you'll have different names depending upon, you know, the type of cell that is affected. So inflammation of the heart, myocarditis, inflammation of the liver, hepatitis. And what this should really fall into is a class of multi-inflammation system multi-system multi inflammatory syndrome with COVID. So MIS-C, it is a health code that was uh, created, I believe, in 2020. Um, and it's a code that many 
MDs are not using because many MDs that are diagnosing this are specialists that are focused on a specific system. So they aren't going to be looking for it anywhere else other than where they're trained to look at it. Um, chemokines are specialized cytokines, principally resulting in cellular recruitment to a site. So they're targeting mechanisms or they're mechanistic mechanisms. So human necrosis factor alpha, interleukin-1, and interleukin-6 are probably the most critical cytokines because they will help to address the adaptive immune response uh, as, as well as just um, helping to direct the innate arm to dealing with whatever needs to be dealt with, whether it be a pathogen or damage to a cell. Uh, interesting thing about cytokines is that most operate in a localized paracrine action, which is localized and temporary. But it is possible for them to be released into the bloodstream and operate as an endocrine or a hormone and possibly causing a pathogenic cascade anywhere connected to the system. So if we're talking about the circulatory system and a hormone in the circulatory system, what's connected to the blood. Sorry, man. Everything. No, it's all good. I was basically just saying that, you know, most cytokines or chemokines, right? They're mm. basically the same thing, just mm -hmm. specialized. Mm. They, they, operate, they operate in a localized um, paracrine action, so localized temporary action, but it is possible for them to be released into the bloodstream and operate as an endocrine mm. or hormone, mm. right? So remember up here, we were talking about um, antibody-dependent cellular toxicity mm. or even pyroptosis, you know, if that thing explodes, you know, depending upon where it goes, boom, you're going to have those hormones mm. and they're going to have their own action, you know? So if yeah. it happens in the brain, oh, yep. <laughs> whole host of stuff. So a sequence of events, just going over inflammation itself. So... TLR, your toll-like receptors, detect the damage or pathogens, um, and then begin releasing cytokines. They start to signal, hey, we got a problem here, mm. right? The permeability of nearby capillaries is increased and dilated to open channels to areas of infection or damage. So your capillaries start to expand and start to recruit, recruit more. Blood flow increases in the area. Antibodies, collectins, complement proteins, contractions begin flowing to the site. TNF and IL-1 act on the epithelial cells to begin producing ligands mm. to start bringing the white blood cells in. White blood cells release cell adhesion molecules to bind with the ligands formed on the blood vessel. And then transmigration occurs when the ligand fuses with the cell adhesion molecule and the white blood cell creates a path from the blood vessel to enter the affected tissue. And then the white blood cells become inflammatory, infiltrate, and begin working on the infected areas. That's inflammation. That's the process. That, mm. Those are the steps. Okay. And then you have everything else after, which is dependent upon where the action is, is, is taking place. So, phagocytosis is the process of a cell internalizing and eating a pathogenic substance for elimination. I've already said that even when phagocytosis happens, which is usually the end of it, but we have phagocytes, which end, which are monocytes, uh, end up becoming a problem, even within their natural 
um, function themselves. Mm. Yeah, someone's just mentioning in the chat mm -hmm. uh, similarities with sort of Epstein Barr, and um, and I'm I'm of the opinion that that they're all very similar. The ME CFS task now, um, it's all um, yeah this inflammatory cascade and the the missing key in my mind was always the uh, the protein misfolding or runaway sort of amyloidosis type reactions i think mm -hmm. i think that that bit has been missing from our uh, repertoire and even though it, again it might not be the be all end all we, 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 you know, so we've, we've found that out in the neurosciences but, the, but there's something there's something in that that space that uh there is and be before we find it i'm gonna get to the coup de gras but i really want to just go over cytokines and neurodegeneration itself mm. because cytokines themselves as an endocrine as a hormone can cause neurodegeneration themselves yeah so you know a lot of people aren't aware of that Many are looking for other biologic proteins, you know, external or foreign to the body to cause this. And that's not the case here. Mm. You know, um, this paper is amazing. And it goes over how and really what it is, is uh, an understanding of what happens in microglia. Mm. Well, what's microglia? Well, they're microglia. your nervous system's immune system. Basically, yeah. you're in the nervous system's innate mm. immune system, not the adaptive, mm. you know, so you're looking at the same cascade. And this is what I was saying, how I was earlier, how, you know, many, many can become system specific and you're looking at it from a microglia perspective, mm. but it is an innate immune system. This is an autoimmune disorder. Okay. that is then being expressed and causing inflammation and then a cascade. Hmm. And the amyloidogenesis and the amyloid amyloidosis, um, I'm going to get to that now because that's really um, the nitty-gritty and where, hmm. you know, the shit hits the fan. And that's when we start getting into PRR and the fear and cleavage site, FCS. The PRRA sequence. Is... Pattern. It, that was that one was such a mind blower, man. It was. And it really was. You know, the I, I just I just say this. They knew straight away. Had to. Had had, had to know. Had to. And... Had to. This is why Moderna was so quick to make the vaccine. Like they made it like they had them up there because they had the damn sequence. Mm. They knew what the hell it was. The reason why this is such a problem when it gets activated is because it's human codon optimized MSH3 gene. Okay. And MSH3 is a, is a human mute S homolog gene. It is a class of gene. Okay. And, and they're just overexpressing them in these cell, in these cancer cell line models. Um, well, here's here's the thing about MSH3 genes um, that I found, uh, and here's the patent. If anybody wants to look it up, there it is: nine five eight seven zero zero three, March seventh, twenty seventeen. Moderna, 
there it is. Mm. There's a, there's a damn sequence, you know, mm. check it out. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's documented. We know. All right. But the, the reason why, um, an, why MSH, why an MSH three class gene is such an issue is because at the site of genetic repair, your body will, will normally send an, uh, an MSH six and an MSH two class gene to form a complementary pair to repair that genetic damage. The problem, if an MSH3 gene is present, is that it will bind with MSH2. Okay. This is an oncology gene. Mm, yeah. Modified polynucleotides for the production of oncology that's another word for oncology, like cancer. Yeah, uh. yeah. That's a, they, 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 they've got those cell cultures out there and like I say, patented. So they're selling them at a premium. They've got a hold on the market and I can, I can picture the sales literature as they're right. going around, you know, right. says, our, our cell line will give you the, the stability of tumor expression that you're that your lab needs for consistent results and yeah it's just genetic repair dysregulation mm. you know if you have and because then you can have an, an abundance of msh6 which causes a whole host of shit mm. you can have you know who knows you you have genes you have you have a fucking cancer gene which isn't supposed to be there mm. period Okay. I wonder why we have so much cancer. So what well, does it cause cancer? Well, yeah, th that's what it's designed to. That's what the patent's mm. for. Okay. Mm. Now here's, <laughs> here's the shit. So here's shit that blew my mind is that this sequence only has two other um, correlates within human genomic history. One of them is as a guanine nucleotide exchange, so an MSH3 factor, mm -hmm. okay, right? And then the other is for Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome. Mm -hmm. This is a human codon-optimized MSH3 oncology gene for Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome, period. So what is it? What is Hermansky Pudlak syndrome? What is it known to do? What is it known for? Oh, let's just take a look. look. Albinism, albinos. I don't know if any of your audience is um, albino <laughs> or spiritual. Yeah, albinos. Rider on a pale horse, right? The rider of of the plague, right? You think I'm wrong? You, you, do you think the people who designed this didn't know that? You know, they, at least they got a sick ass sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, bro. With hemorrhagic diathesis and pigmented reticulum. I don't know. The main, the main thing here. Some patients have lung fibrosis, colitis. This, this right here is a clincher or an abnormal storage of a fatty substance 
in various tissues of the body, and they call it a steroid lipofuscin. Yeah. The S1 subunit causes amyloidogenesis, sui generis, on its own, hmm. because it's genetically programmed to do so. And the amyloid clots that you're finding are steroid lipofuscin. I'd stake my life on it. Hmm. Well, I am sticking uh, my life on it. That's a uh, fascinating... That's fascinating I mean. hypothesis dude like i say i and you know it, it bothers me so much that you get a retard like um mike adams there talking about well nanobots and uh synth synthetic biology and, and it's why well you just have to presume that well, they're, they're either desperate for money or fame or something or, 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 or they're part of the program. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, don't know who Mike Adams is. No disrespect, but. Uh, so um, health, what's it called? Health Ranger or. Uh, but he was, he's, he was literally on. Uh, not Alex Jones, but one of the, one of the other presenters that he has. Uh, forget which but the, you know he's he's managed to get his hands on some of these clots these on his religion resistant these amyloid like clots and he's done uh mass spectrometry on them and you know he's finding sort of metal um con not contamination but it's just that you're you know there's a lot of proteins that are called metalloproteins in in the body they'll have sort of copper or iron or zinc sort of a sort of helps maintain a sort of functional domain and the actually actually that just reminds me i don't know if you've been watching the streams that i've been doing but we looked at astrazeneca and not astrazeneca Janssen with uh, edx mapping and we found uh it's riddled with copper hmm. copper nanoparticles and i'm i'm inclined to get it out and do some more sort of blood challenge with it because i just wonder the because there's a very um symbiotic type relationship between copper and iron in the body and i just i just wonder if you know that Again, I have to. I can't believe they don't know it's there, and it's such a obvious signal. And the well, the blood thrombocytopenia, etc. Um, I just, I just wonder because Janssen, the adenovirus vectored vaccines, sort of list that that become acknowledged as 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 an issue. I just wonder if uh, those the, the copper nanoparticles could be in there as a sort of catalyzing the the dysregulation of copper and iron and um, because if you, like say if you if you look at long term neurological disorders one of the indicators that we're, that they'll look at often is you know when you present at the clinic is they'll look for dark imaging on your MRI right and they look for um to see to see the strength of it 
right? Uh, how much and, and what that's an indicator of is um, sort of iron, iron, not ion, iron um, depositing in high metabolic areas in in the brain. And I have to I have to presume it happens in other very high demand tissue like the heart as well. And um, I just yeah, I'm just riffing right now in my in my own mind about what I what I could do in the meantime whilst waiting for um, trying to get to the next step of experimentation. And now that we now that we're certain that there's this copper in the in the in the shot, if we can if we can see some more interesting blood chemistry, but I'm I'm detracting from your uh, your conclusion here which is this uh what's the name of it hersh hermansky pudlak syndrome, Pudlak syndrome. Hmm. let me send this to you um it really does explain what's being observed um from well we need we, we need to test for that uh lipofusin really should and it's so rare that I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even know where to find like a reference sample, you know, to mm. correlate it to. Mm. But well, the, you know, the the, the, great. <laughs> the immediate step is to, and um, this is what anyone who's got their hands on those samples, it's a, it's such an easy stain to do. It's Congo red, and you know, get you know, slice it real thin, get it on a slide, and. And then you know, dehydrate it, defat it, and um, just see if you can see if you can stain it with Congo red, and that that'll tell you if it's. Uh, well, we know it's amyloid. Is it, like I said, we're not we're not guessing right now. We've we've got this two and a half years of you know, a, a lot of data that's come down the the pipeline. That the the real issue right now is. Um, can, is there a way to definitively recapitulate the pathological mechanisms after exposure to um, spike protein? And you know that there has to be an assumption that if you're expressing, even even though they sort of proline stabilize it, I don't know if you've seen the. Um, oh well, this was done with an adenoviral vector, but. Um, yeah. there's, there's an electron micrograph study where they've expressed the, the plasmid in, in liver cells and the whole of the surface of the cell is covered in, in what looks like functional spike. Now, if, if that happens and they're floating around on the cell membrane, then they're going to come into contact with the serine proteases and that's where you'll get sort of cleaving happen and you'll likely sort of bleb off um, the you know, parts of the spike protein and you know it's a little sort of lipid carrying exosome basically mm -hmm. and yeah it's going to go all around the body and you know we, we have the studies already which sort of they can detect that um, yeah, long COVID, mm. so. and then and, and and the idea that um, that the RNA 
cannot be transcribed, you know, to the DNA of mm. the cells. Mm. It, it can't. It's yeah. I, I'm. I I and the two Swiss studies, etc. I'm, I'm I'm inclined to believe them. Where they where they have shown that it's co-locating to the nucleus, and mm -hmm. um, I really. Well, again, it's one of these things. Like, why aren't we seeing more people do these studies? There, there are many, many molecular biology labs around the world who could do it. And they could, but where do they get their funding? Yeah, but once once you've got a lab and you're in the lab, right? And so this is this is why I'm trying to sort of is is, is everyone required in the lab to be vaccinated? Uh, you you would <laughs> probably yeah. See what I'm saying? Exactly, and then I can do this research. Um, but you know that it's being done already, and it bothers me that there isn't more attempts at replication and exploring these these particular mechanisms. And again, I think it comes down to um, you've you've got cowards in, in these positions, these pampered pampered positions where they uh, they have their ego stroked because they're the the high priests of the science science society the scientific society that we live in and but well and the, the, what i would say is once you once you're in the door in the lab and you can start getting but you can do all sorts of stuff right you've just got you've just got to be in there and and starting experiments and you know this is why i'm sort of it's frustrating right now that i don't have a lab anymore and um but you know, I can get back in once 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 I've got money to be able to say, "There's there's the cost for the monkey. Let me let me go at it." Um, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we we could do. Um, you you maximize the the experiment that you're going to do, and you know, I'm not myself. I'm not interested now so much in the pathology of the virus. Um, you know, like as you've honed in on i'm i'm interested in the pathophysiology of the exposure to these spike proteins and these accessory proteins and you know it's okay doing it in a mouse but you need primate data to really really hammer it home and oh, it's it's close man we could just we just need the uh, the the Ignition, the money ignition to get it, get it done. Yeah. Or the the right um, story to force those with the money to say we need to learn more about this. You know, um, perhaps someone who is has a lot of money and uh, is vaccinated and is interested in the same things that you are because it's their life, mm. and they need to know. <laughs> yeah, figure it out. Time's a ticking. Yeah, but um, it's uh, it's surprising um, how few really want to step forward with it. And but they're they're all paupers like me. Just they can maintain the illusion of, uh, of financial success. And I, I say I don't I don't know, dude. I'm I'm hoping we have a benefactor. But maybe, maybe I've been premature and um, pushing that 
saying we did because it's it's gone quiet on that front. Um, but well, as I say, beyond beyond, um, you know, again, I, I've been saying this for the last few days now. We we can keep looking at papers like this and sort of stringing them together and making mm -hmm. hypotheses, etc. But you've got to you've got to get in there and demonstrate physically what's going on yep and... and to physically demonstrate what's going on they're probably going to want to focus in on something to see what's going on and if you do the s1 is for me with all the literature the main driver mm. of uh, of pathogenic responses within the body um, it it just is within long co within long COVID, uh, within um, the other experiments with whole spike protein, you know, mm. showing that there isn't as much of an issue. Mm. Uh, the fact that most of the literature is saying that the the S the the spike protein being activated is when the split happens, when they are separated. Mm. It's S one man, S one. It, it it's it. That COVID does it, it, if S one did not exist on COVID-19, we wouldn't have to worry about this thing. And now that it's being injected in everyone, it is mm -hmm. the main driver and it is causing all this shit. Yeah, I say, I showed you those graphs, right? <laughs> yeah, That's... exactly. I mean, and, and the thing is, is that from a genetic level, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I got the damn pen, I got the damn pen. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that this PRA sequence is was normally included with the GP120. So this is a simpler way of explaining what's going on pathologically mm. within the body without even having to go into HIV or kind of touching that third rail. Because mm. even within the GP120, it's only homologous. It isn't identical. Mm. I'm not mistaken. I'm not, I'm... No, no, no. It's, it's, it, is, it is homologous, but it, it's, the, it's the positioning. Right, and it's not—it's not just that. It's the. I know it's—it's—it's it's, it's positioned on the parts of the spike protein that are most inducive to mm -hmm. interacting with the body, and it will um, cause this to be. Um, uh, starting to get a little late for me. It's like one well, thirty a.m. over here. Okay. Well, but, uh, we, we can we can wrap up soon, but the well, you know, GP GP one twenty is known. Um, energic agent as well um it, it's yeah it's a witch's what I mean, brew what i mean though is, is that this specific sequence mm. right this 19 nucleotide sequence right this patented sequence right? yeah deserves to be looked at oh yeah it, it is <laughs> yeah, i know it is no, we, we, we try and do um it's just, again it's just um yeah, you, the yeah. other, I know the the other thing um, here, and I'll end this on 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 part two is that uh, normally the furin cleavage site will happen at at uh, between R and S right mm. here, but there are a number of enzymes which will clip it at PRRA, mm. and it's PRRA which is that gene. Right. So some will say, oh, it's PRAR, you know, it's not exposed, it's not there. Like, no, 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 there are, there are enzymes that will cleave it between A and R, mm. which means that 
you would have antibodies and perhaps anti-idiotype anti antibodies expressing this mm. oncology gene for Hermansky-Budlak syndrome, mm. which produces steroid lipofusin. Yeah, just it fits uh, so well. Uh, and you know, the what what are we seeing uh, when we look at that data? If, I, if I'm still sharing my screen, but um, neoplasms, cancer, that's that's mm -hmm. what's shooting up now. Yeah. Well, do you think that maybe a cancer gene has anything to do with the explosion in cancers? Mm. Gee, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> there it but is. That's, there, there, there is another explanation for cancers, which I, I, I really find interesting and um, starts to get into I, probably more of your wheelhouse. And we kind of touched on it. Um, and I know that you're interested more in charges. Mm. You know, when you start to get into these um, cationic or positively charged nanolipids, which fats aren't normally positively charged, um, kind of um i'm gonna skip the methyl pseudouridine but yeah. um let me just touch on this real quick methyl pseudouridine okay and then i'll go well we can go back to this because the cationic lipids are just really really cool and it really does tie into um like i kind of mentioned before the orc or theory mm. you know yeah of con consciousness and but even though it was ruled out from the consciousness perspective biologically they were right like Stuart Hammerhoff and Roger Penrose were correct in their assumptions that there were, you know, um, these tubulins, right, tubulin proteins, which they called microtubules, responsible for the genetic transmutation of information from the nucleus to the rest of the cell, that a single electron could affect the position of a single dipole. And because they are mechanistically tied, um, like, like, a, like a chain, a single electron will cause a cascade around along the rest of the microtubules. Yeah, this well, is, and this is something I've I've tried to sort of relay to people is that um, there's a there's a sort of view of the biology, the molecular biology, where it's it's in the, the the thought is is that it's sort of inherently noisy because of the the, the heat everything is running at. And it was a real aha moment for me in my research when I when I, I sort of conceptualized that now around around the plasma membrane, literally the positions of like one ion, right, is is controlled within elaborate matrices of charge distribution, and and so it 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 that's the substrate of having a like a hologram right the, the where you just catch it with the, the angle right with light and i think we have to be thinking down at those scales for um for the and extended over over long distances right that they maintain structure both inside and outside the membrane and the problem with the OR model it's very internalized to the um to the cell and you you you've got a job to sort of you've always got that boundary condition of the plasma membrane but i i think there's a sort of mirror 
mirror-like encoding or reflective-like encoding of internal and external state that that's yeah it's literally ion per ion specific but in in terms of complexity extending in, in, over macro type distances yep. in um what, what i call it is the quantum coherence of biology mm, mm. you know where you really are looking at energetic levels single electrons mm. you know determining whether uh, an action potential is going to go down an axon mm. right normal normal resting rate for uh, a neuron is negative 70 microvolts if i remember correctly it, it means negative uh, 50 at the actual potential in order to send a signal down it, it depends on the the cell type and the but yeah sort of around that around that range um okay i'm remembering 20 years ago you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it just it just depends you know what you know some cells you want to fire quickly and easily some cells you want to make sure that no that you know when you fire it's uh it's got to be at the you want to be sure that you're activating that particular network and um and you know there's a concept of sort of up and down states to two neurons for well you could you could make an argument that any 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 biological unit that cha maintains charge separation probably intrinsically to it has a sort of up and down state where it's more prone to firing or less prone to firing and mm -hmm. um yeah it's just it's yeah. one of those what are those mysteries dude it is one of the well it's one of those mysteries that we're coming to a greater understanding of mm. and what cannot be denied is what has already been observed the fact that a single electron a single charge can affect the positioning and therefore the way that the information is trans the genetic information is transcribed within biology mm. Well, I, I, I would just add in there, I'd be careful about the gen, just saying genetic transcoding, right? Because there's there's more there's more to it than that. I, I use genetic as a basis, mm. as a foundation to extrapolate a context, mm. you know, because generally what is within the genetic information is what one would you know quote unquote be natural of course there's an external stimulus that needs to be interacted with and you know that you know, there is an exchange well, that, there. The, i would i would argue that there's a external one of again cheesy metaphor a holographic representation that's intrinsic to the ion distributions around these very very complex non-euclidean geometries that form um these these networks and the, the networks extend you know you, um, across compartments and you know i'd well yeah because yes because you're getting into the physics and physics is beyond biology. You can have the same electron exist in two places at the same time. Well, so I've I've been able to test the uh, the theory of 
would you say? The idea of the what's the word I'm looking for? When when you have superposition, right? So in in the uh, is there is there a signal electrophysiologically uh, 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 across larger distances? Right. So and in this instance, I would use interhemispheric recording, right, because essentially you've got like a uh, mirror image of anatomical structures on one side versus the other. And, and so the, the sort of theories put forward by Hammeroff and Penrose was that, um, you, that, that there is this um, super fast um, information transfer between regions and if and it, but this was just my sort of take on it was that well if you've got um functional regions that are, are mapped symmetrically across different hemispheres then if if there's going to be any any signal at a macro scale where you would see something like that you want to you want to be able to see if it's emergent in in both hemispheres at latencies that you would that can't be explained by um, axonal monosynaptic uh, firing. Mm -hmm. And um, every, everything that I found when, and again, you could, you could argue that you need, um, you know, terahertz type recording perhaps to capture those signals and you've got to be hyper, hyper precise, but at, at normal acquisitions. So in, in 40 kilohertz range, etc. There's, there's no. Oh, I'm, I'm not trying to argue um, what they posited for consciousness. Mm. The only thing that I'm expressing is an acknowledgement that their observations within the cell. Yeah, so I, this is where I would go. I think in the cell, there's, a, yeah. there's, there's much more. Um, I could buy that more than the, the sort of macro um, emergence of this, you know. Yeah, and, and they themselves have acknowledged that that, that is not the case, or, mm -hmm. or that, if I'm not mistaken, that that they weren't, I don't know if that they weren't able to find it, but that it just wasn't a correlate to what consciousness was. Mm. Well, you, you get down to this, um, the the limits of, well, uh, what, we, what we can go to. So there's, there's some experiments where they've looked intracellularly at the actin myosin framework and they've found that you can get coherent states emerge at these very very high frequencies right but they, again this is sort of intracellular and um that was actually done in scuba in japan and uh, i forget the name the indian guy that did it um but again it's one of those things that i don't see it being repeated a lot so um no man, it's like meta of meta of meta, <laughs> and so the, the you know the, at a systems level, right at a, yeah. at the macro level, what what is it that we can see? And what what I found was that there was that there are benchmark clock ticks that you tend to see in in the brain with respect to processing from one node to another, and generally it's a sort of like quant fifty millisecond window 
of sort of cascading through a network. Hmm. And um, what I what I found was that if you if you basically were sort of rattling a network, and I I tried to liken it to producing like a sonar pulse in in the in the brain, and you do that by sort of uh, uh, coordinated depolarization polarization event, and then you then you check in the and this this was my experiment that I did and you check you check to see if there's a um a, a response that's outside of that window that we normally see between so if you take vision for example you can you can watch the neurons firing in the eye and they, these are these are experiments that they that they that they do they'll literally have monkeys and they'll record all along the sort of visual pathway from sort of eyes, uh, lateral geniculate nucleus, intervisual cortex, etc. And, and each the, the steps towards the cortical, I guess, processing, if you if you want to buy the all processing, the, the conscious component is cortical, um, takes, yeah, there's like a lot, 150, 200 milliseconds, and then sort of similar, similar response back down to effector muscles and what what i found was that i could i could do this like essentially sonar ping and i could get a very consistent 25 millisecond window between the the mirror image of these subcortical structures in the brain that we know are responsible for action selection and what 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 does that relate to? Well, twenty five milliseconds. You're this is that gamma frequency, if you like. And there's a there's a sort of idea that that consciousness is a is a process of coupling functional domains across sort of lower frequency carrier signals, so that alpha, beta domain and then they couple with a high frequency what they think is a sort of localized dendritic type um, response in, in the target regions and you know this to, to see to see this interaction repeatable interaction at these subcortical domains which hasn't been seen before um, but but it's it's tight. It, it, well, what I could get it to is is this twenty five millisecond emergent timing. Now again, you know you're limited by the amount of contacts you can get in, etc. But um, it was a pretty consistent result. And so I'm, you know, it, it, it's something that. Hammeroff and Penrose talk about, which is the gamma oscillations as being the, the emergence of the gamma oscillation is what they call the Bing moment, right? And you 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 skip from moment to moment in this in this Bing. I don't know why they called it that. <laughs> it's Bing, 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 and it's that event happening across time and you know across many disparate areas of cortex that all come together to sort of form the 
the milieu of uh, the, the subjective experience. Um, now, again, um, it, it seems that still seems somewhat slow for me to account for the fluidity of consciousness. So that, that, that's why I make the assumption that there's, there's probably faster processes intracellular that, you know, do involve this coherent, decoherent superposition overlays along these, um, actin and myosin. But I've had, you know, I've had discussions with people who are experts on, um, cytoskeletal dynamics and they, they just, they seemed oblivious to this, this line of thinking or reasoning and it's um it's not a it's not, not a well trodden path as it were no, it <laughs> that's a good one thank you though mm. you're welcome um, appreciate that because that has been a question for me personally for a long time the, yeah it's is the sort of super fast timing in the central nervous system not not at the macro scale not 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 that I can tell yet, but again, it's, it's a limitation of the equipment <laughs> and, um, you know, that, so there, there are approaches to sort of, so mo a lot of electrical physiology does, um, you use a DC signal to, to do the recording and there may be, there may be something about using alternating current and going down that pathway and alt alternating current acquisition systems are, are quite uh, quite a niche area to be doing these types of studies and it was it was the it was alternating current amplifiers that could pick up this Back. this oscillation the the intracellular oscillation that the guy in at scuba university found so I don't know. Maybe maybe if I could get a high frequency AC uh, acquisition system, maybe maybe I'd find something different. I don't know. No, I, yeah, I'm just I, I I'm wearing on. It's there. What what else we got to do with the uh, SARS here? Vaccines. We lost you, dude. Okay, so I'll just I'll just keep uh, running on about uh, consciousness. Yes, so um, yeah, I, I, let me maybe maybe there's been changes in the uh, the literature of late. Let me just AC neural position. Are we back? Yeah, I, I, I hear you now. Um, Alternating current. I'm just, uh, yeah, I was just asking you if there's, um, I was sort of droning on about consciousness and yeah. Um but I, I was asking you if there's stuff you want to keep drilling down on with SARS. I, I presume you want to get to yeah. vaccines, right? So it's, it's, it's fun stuff, man. I mean, that or Oracle, what we're talking about, stuff that I've been fascinated with for over 20 years. So, mm -hmm. but, but okay to take the detour there, it's okay. personally. <laughs> Um, 
So a couple things, actually, I, I kind of want to start start talking about the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, and that these are not normal, and that the, well, <laughs> whatever normal is, but the uh, the antibody targets themselves is uh, B cell humoral immunity mm. uh, in the literature, but in you know. But when you hear Fauci and a lot of your public uh, health um, officials, they're they're interested in the CD8 concentration within your body, you know, your your your, your cytotoxic killer T cells, mm. right? But it is a, it is a significant note to cite the role of CD8 positive T cells as being incompletely resolved. Mm. Uh, government agencies have been using waning immunity as epidemiological purpose for requiring booster shots, mm. um, but the rec and the recommendation is being forwarded um, from the foundation of the loss of CD8 pa. Oh, we lost you again, bro. <laughs> whilst uh, whilst we wait for Anthony to uh, come back, I'll just. Um... I didn't. I don't see. I just see alternating current transcranial stimulation. Um, what about if I just do PubMed? Uh, something more accurate in there. But... Connected. Is it my internet that's down? Uh, alternating. That's all. Um, it's all cortical stimulation. I'll have a, a scroll through the chat. Let's tap you up, boys. At it again. Yes, you're right. You're right. Uh, all right. Let's have a look. Um, very surreal. What's surreal? Um, this all seems unbelievable. Yeah. Let's see, I think I forced to work or just brought the narrative. Epoch Times reported a large hospital group was sued. Class action legal suit for forced vax. Group won 10 million. Nice to know. Rip Zelenko. Yeah. Um, no, I just, uh, with Zelenko, I just, I, I do have to give credit to um, Dr. Lee Merritt and her questioning of Dr. Zelenko if the Zelenko protocol was so effective because of uh, those advantageous uh, polymorphisms that uh, we know about. Um Mark says, Moderna designed the vaccine so fast, they started making it before COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> when, you've, when you've got the uh, the cell line uh, to, to work on, you know where it's from. The cancer part is scary. Yeah, it, it is. And um, again, the if, if people want to go and follow Ethical Skeptic, I highly recommend that. And yeah, those are... Uh, is that Ficacom? Neoplasms. Pneumonia. Cancer. There. There. 
<laughs> Lordy, it doesn't look like it's coming down anytime soon. Um, let's see. Chris says, keep in mind what Anthony is talking about regarding Dr. Bruce Patterson therapy. It's pretty heavy antiretroviral, unlike IVM at all. Uh, yeah. Um, again, I'm... I, I don't speak so much towards uh, therapeutic approaches. I do think, I think that's the job of the clinicians. My job is to find out the, uh, the functional mechanisms of shit that goes wrong. And this, this shows us that there is something going drastically wrong. And I, I don't think you can put that down to um, lack of... How should we say attending um clinics if if something is wrong due to lockdowns um it's something that we're seeing everywhere and it is it is what it is so because it's never what it's not oh okay so i didn't know if you'd uh, disappeared or not so I was over the target, man. I was over the target. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on in. Let's uh, let's get yeah, in. We're so, we're the so... T cell T cells are um the missing link with uh, the vaccine story, right? This is something that my friend Jonathan Cooey spends a lot of time talking about. That mm -hmm. they that they have tried to sell a again a cartoon version of the biology that immunity is all about um igg antibodies and if you've got enough antibodies floating around you can fend off you can fend off satan himself and in the case of things like uh coronavirus um the body's response is to use more uh, t-cell t-cell mediated response with the antibodies acting more as a sort of mop-up crew for i guess toxins as a way of uh thinking about it um but the yeah. antibody story is a easy one for them to sell because it's an easy marker to extract from the blood mm -hmm. and yeah so completely wrong it, it, it's just and it doesn't make sense you know to base immunity on cellular cd8 positive concentration you know and to use that as a benchmark i, I can see why they did it but it's just it doesn't work i mean they've also known since 2014 that a vaccine solely based on a spike protein was doomed to failure mm. in Russia for at least eight years mm. and barrick wrote that himself yeah and they they knew that the antibody dependent enhancement is a an issue right and we know we know from those experiments that, it, that animals died from antibody dependent or, or what they think was antibody dependent enhancement again I, yeah. you know there's a which, which turned into vaccine dependent immunity <laughs> and the the troubling aspect about that is um you get like one or two papers and you would think it would be something that they would uh, that they would want to pour a lot of resources into particularly if they've got this idea of you know if they had our best intentions at, at heart 
which was to find effective uh, vaccines. And, yeah. you know, there's a couple of papers about antibody dependent enhancement in these coronavirus vaccines, and then, bah, nothing. <laughs> I'm glad the ones that are published are out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can imagine yeah. they're a constant source of irritation. <laughs> Them's the breaks, kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, and then the my, a couple of other myths that they say, um, you know, there is no spike protein in the blood. Well, mm. yeah, bullshit. 84% of participants show detectable levels of spike protein mm. as early as one day after the first injection, yeah. you know? And that's in the blood. Mm. That's yeah. not supposed to be in the blood. It's supposed to be in your arm, right? It's not supposed to, oh, it gets injected into your arm muscles and then yeah. your body starts to make it. Bullshit. Yeah. Um... 84%. It's it's a uh, yeah it's a, it's a cartoon biology being foisted on people and yep. um, we don't we well I say we don't know what the long term consequences are we know now <laughs> death yeah. death yes, exactly. seems to be the uh, death outcome. and pain yeah <laughs> you know and the uh, and the idea that you know mRNA you know your body will break it down in one mm. two days so it sure will mm. well yeah it it, it will re it will eliminate natural mRNA mm. not this fucking methyl pseudouridine mm. yeah and you know they've they've done the studies where and this is just pulling from lymph nodes right close to the at the injection site, but they've shown it existing functional RNA and spike 60 days after uh, exposure. Now, you know, my my approach would be that, okay, yeah, um, that's bad enough, but we need to know where it's, where else is it accumulating? And we know that the ovaries are disturbingly are one, one area. And um, I have no doubt that there is a sort of mutagenic component wrapped up in all of this and the other is that you know the, because of these lipid nanoparticles it will go to fatty regions and that means your brain and nervous tissue and and again i would you see you, you see it now in the in the data it's and yet we still have the drumbeat of Take your boosters. Like Canada's on number five right now. The UK is pushing forward their bivalent approach. It's shocking. We've uh, lost him. He's able to target again. Those tapiot boys. Let's see, 84% of vaccine recipients had the spike in their blood, not at the injection site. Yes, and... You know the, the the response you got was well you know at what concentration it's a low concentration um it, it doesn't matter it's a concentration that can be pharmacologically active and uh, biologically active i should say and again you know there's there's talk about effects on the tumor suppressor gene and um, you know, I don't really, I should probably follow it more as we're seeing, we're seeing the cancer rates uh, skyrocket. Yeah. Uh, are you back? 
Yeah, for at least another three minutes before they <laughs> shut me down again because I'm saying yet another thing which is inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've lost your screen share, dude. So. Okay, let me back up. Da, 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 da. Okay. So, I got you on the methyl pseudouridine, though? Uh, you're not getting me on that shit, no way. How dare you? <laughs> I object. I'm not, I'm not giving my informed consent. No, absolutely not. But I, I did mention it, right? Like, I yes. Yeah, where, yeah, where I left yeah. off. Okay. And I was saying how, you know, you don't need to have this whole sequence. You just need to have a piece translated by the ribosomes in order to make it work. Mm. You know, so you could have just the piece for that hermansky pudlak syndrome gene and it'll translate. Huh. So just because it gets cut or degraded does not mean that it is inactivated. Mm, mm. Yeah, and this, this is something I've, I've droned on about. It's just that we, we know the translation products are messy. And when you're, when you're dealing with these amyloidogenic peptide sequences, well, what if, what if it's, it doesn't matter? What if it's just spitting out those? rather than the whole spike sequence like they like I say this presumption that the body acts like a sort of computer and the, there's a sort of binary like control at this with these products right um it, it it's incredibly frustrating to me mechanistic yeah yeah it's not human mm. You know, that, that is someone who is high and mighty on their understanding and wants to secure funding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a huge issue, dude. Right. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's yep. crack on. Yep. So, you know, the five cap. Uh, so, this five cap right here mm -hmm. is supposed to um, recruit ribosomes. Mm -hmm. So, this untranslated region. Derived from human A-globin a mRNA with optimized COSAC sequence to help drive high levels of translation. From the, so you have high levels of translation. Mm. You have, may have hyperactivity. I don't know what this means. High levels of translation. To me, that seems like it's making a lot more than what it should have. You know. Well, yeah, that's 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 the whole. Produce. Right. They want to. They want to maximize. The, uh, the immunogenic response, right? So it's no good just it. Well, no, this, yeah, this isn't immunogenic response. This has to do with... No, but the translation and getting an immunogenic response. So you, you again, you do the codon optimization and you you want to, if if you can get a sequence in there that's read 20 times and... Just, 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 the, just the reasoning. Mm. We need to make this because this causes the body to react the most mm. you know like to me yeah this is the part that's really fucking up your body the most so we need to make as much of it yeah. as we can so we can... good for you sorry it's your civic duty sir get get in line come on it's got electrolytes it's what plants crave you know? <laughs> Idiots. <sighs> Unreal. Adenovirus are just, oh man, like mutant viruses. Like, mm. This is a whole mess in and of itself. Like, 
they had like mutant adenoviruses causing like hepatitis in kids. Gee, I wonder how that's happening. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, t I told you, dude, I'm, I'm telling you that Janssen vaccine, full of copper, right? And I, I've, I've had a look through the literature now. I gave a brief perusal. Try and find me anywhere where they would, they, that there's a biological reason to put copper into a vaccine. And I also read a couple of studies and, you know, forgive me because I didn't source it and it was just in passing, but they're saying that a, a lot of, um, a lot of the, the metals that were found in, um, were a result of, of the manufacturing process. Oh yeah. Of, 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 of that I have no doubt. Um, but, and you know, one of, one of the things that they do do, cause I, I just wonder if, you know, about the magnetic response that people were reporting. Mm -hmm is that they use magnetic nanoparticles to extract DNA from their expression systems. And, you know, when they've ramped up to scale, I just, I wonder how much of those magnetic nanoparticles were in, in the, in, in the systems and, you know, copper, you know, I, I mean, I've made the presumption they would be using stainless steel piping, but who knows, who knows what these factories are like. Uh, inside exactly i know yeah they're all and they're all over the place mm. um this goes over the dna in the liver which we kind of touched on already hepatitis in children which is kind of what i was talking about um well there a vi uh, vaccine spike induced t-cell myocarditis like mm. you know um what was the increase uh yeah from 11% to 25%. So, you know. And, and now you get this FOP of, uh, it's mild, mild myocarditis. Be over within you know, a few weeks. 17% chance of death, you know, yearly. 50% mm. chance of death in five years. You know, that, that's all it is. Mm. Or 25% death in five years, according to, you know, this clinical... Mm, uh, you know that I do. I do think there's cardiac injury from the virus itself as well. Um, there is, and you know, I, I can get I can get their arguments from the other side, but um, you, you know, I think we're you know we're, we we understand that mucosal barriers are where you want to be trying to induce immunity, right? And, yeah, that's why it's where mucus exists. <laughs> yeah. And why why wasn't that leveraged if they knew that? It was it was all about getting systemic RNA well, vectored RNA in into the body and resistive to breaking down. It's and... a calling, bro. <laughs> yeah. It happens every hundred years. It's a calling. <laughs> And they're doing the same thing they did a hundred years ago, beginning with the meningitis vaccine that turned into Spanish flu. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I've I'm kind of buying into the idea that you know the vaccines that they were rolling out on the troops for what did what did Mark who's in the chat? It's like shipping flu, they called it or something, and. Like twenty five percent of the animals that they were shipping over for the First World War were weren't making it, and and so they were they were trying these vaccines on military aged men, and it was it was those that 
uh, were the, the the primary cohort in, in that pandemic. I mean, and, and again, there's big questions about the numbers, how much they've beefed up the numbers in order to push the idea of uh, super deadly flu pandemics. I mean, like a hundred million dead. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's an enormous enormous number. And you know, even even the the first and second world war didn't get close to those numbers. Mao did, and um, well, if you'd believe that, I guess I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm becoming very skeptical of much of the history that <laughs> that I thought I knew. Um, yep. So, exactly. Anyway, uh, yep. other okay. aspect you might want to look at is uh, parasite dysfunction. Parasite. Parasites. Mm -hmm. well, or are... you mean parasites like worms, or parasites the cells that line endothelium? Yeah, capillaries. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know they. When exposed to S protein, they underwent profound phenotypic changes mm. associated yeah. with elongated and contracted morphology. Yeah. Basically, just looking at misfolding is basically what you're talking about prions, mm. you know. And that's but, that's the route past the blood brain barrier. Um, this is, is this is what they're focused in on, and from parasites what they, what, to what they found is that the parasites actually withdraw from the capillary. It's mm. like they detach and, yeah, and remove yeah. themselves from the capillary. It's like they're somehow repulsed or repelled. It's, mm. it's insane. Mm. And then once they do that, then you have, you know, you have structural degradation of the capillary itself and then mm. bleeding, mm. you know, and or amyloidogenesis or whatever else is, you know, spilling out there. Mm. Um, and, you know, once, once, once those, again, it's, you know, it's all about compartments and barriers and, um, you know, once, once they've found a way to, or they can leverage mechanisms to to break these things down and and again this this is why i can't dismiss right i'm i'm i find myself ethically obliged to hold the idea of the more extreme end of what was the reasons behind this and only because they're going to such extreme lengths to shut it down mm. right and all all of this evidence that you're going through right now again um none none of the biology itself is like we didn't know right we had indicators of all, all this stuff but to have everything just come together in in, in this package and the Well, I'm yeah. <laughs> black pill, man. Black pill for people to swallow, and and I can I can sort of find the funny side because I I sort of work in that domain, right? So you uh, eventually you sort of get like a, you know, you do make jokes about it and stuff, and but yeah, I, 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 I imagine people who don't fully understand this stuff, it's um, uh, it's it's frightening. Um, it is, or it's a whole nother language, or they just can't accept it. Mm -hmm. You know, 
or they've they've decided to you know accept this within themselves and they're just like well you know it's too late like i've done it oh thanks thanks for letting me know that mm. i'm screwed mm. you know that's so rude <laughs> yeah and this, this is another thing that you know i think they've really been able to play on right because they 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 knew that once they get the majority of people on board and um ex exposed then people people are reluctant to say oh i got tricked i was gullible enough to go along with it and so they bite they they sort of bite down on the bit you know that little bit harder and um yeah it becomes a sort of ideological trap that they that yeah. they get into and you know i'm i'm of the opinion that um stop again mitigate any any exposure that you would have right now um absolutely do not take <laughs> more uh let, let your body um yeah and, and and i would also say if you are unvaccinated to pay attention to your body when you are around those who are if you start to get a nose drip and you start to sneeze and you aren't in a closed area you are being transfected get out of there go home take an epsom salt bath you know do some fixed vapor rub because everything that i'm showing you is which is only caused by the s1 spike protein may be happening within your body at that point you know it is a prion and it's a proteinaceous infective article period the yeah. one subject is and i keep i keep trying to well i've been hammering the people that listen to me know know this now but um this is the you've got to grab that concept right and really really sort of wrap your head around what that means and it's not ju it's not just classic prion protein right it it, <clears throat> it means a class of Yep. pathogens i guess for one of a better uh, disease causing mm -hmm. mechanisms and you know we yeah. or, or antigens uh to that as well um but i'm we're, we taught brains here dude <laughs> i know, I know. Yeah, but a lot of people will will say pathogens you know oh well no a virus has to have dna you know an infection can only happen when the RNA from the virus gets into the, you know, mm -hmm. cell and causes it to replicate, and that's what causes the issue, and that's what we need to stop. Yeah, it's and you know that no. it's the, it's the cell exploding with, uh, it's yeah. There's again, there's a cartoon understanding of the the biology and and the, you know, it really is. in in my field, you know, there was a lot of focus uh, as these co concepts crystallized about um tau phosphorylated tau alpha synuclein amyloid and that once the well, I, I, well I, I don't it's not clear-cut again again research is never like that but there, you know, there was there was this aha moment of oh it's it, it it's okay to be to be using this language, and again, you could argue that it's sloppy to be talking about prion-like or 
free energic or but it's as as a mechanism it, and i use i use this analogy with clots right you want clots if you don't make clots you're screwed you're a hemophiliac right and the tiniest scratch will will do you in and you, I have to presume, right, that there's a functional role for the misfolding because making it go away doesn't cause the disease. It's it's correlative of the disease, but it's part of that picture, if you like, of, of disease presentation. And oh, you, we've lost you, dude. <laughs> you there? I think... Uh... Too much, too much over the target again. Nice talpy up, boys. I know. Am I back yet? Yeah, yeah, you're back. Okay, good. All right. Um, I forgot what I was talking about now. Oh yeah, uh, um, just um, you know, you you might want some protein misfolding. Might help, right? Might be there snaring up those peptides or toxins of some form. But if it, it, it if it overwhelms the body's capacity to clear them then you know you're, you're in a problem that's a problem yeah. state and it also depends on how you classify misfolding i mean it, when the s1 subunit binds to ace2 which causes inflammation down regulates ace2's formation as well as its expression to the cell surface mm. thus upregulating s1 is that is that misfolding uh so if I if I would if I would if I was to put my reviewer's hat on, I I would okay. say, no, it's part of, it's it's just part of the pathological mechanism. Right? We would we would we would definitively have to show that there's a stable, misfolded form that oligomerizes to fit the classification of a, quote unquote prion. Okay, so if so if an MSH three PRA interacts with an MSH2 at the site of neuronal, uh, of neural genetic repair, or begins generating amyloid steroid lipofusin, a la Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome, sui generis, in the brain, which misfolds platelets, you know, the fibrinogenic response mm. that Pistorius, mm. in an observed fibrinogenic, you know, is, is that a prion? Does that... Well, I, 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 would, I would say that the spike <laughs> protein is a, a prion. Now, there's, there's discussion about um, can genetic material act as a prion-like element? Yes. And because mRNA within the blood itself is a prion by definition. Yeah. And so I'm I, I'm open to accepting these these definitions of well, are we? You have to think protein misfolding as a pathological mechanism is is what we're talking about um and you know, again this comes back to should we be calling it prion and it's just it's just convention basically that we we are it's sort of like the first one that was really categorized well um but yeah it's 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 protein misfolding oligomerizer well actually so this is um something that i think about because even even if there you can break apart the oligomerization it might just be that them e even being in the soluble form is still enough to dysregulate the the cells you know finely tuned 
proteonomic state, right? And yeah, might might could could potentially make things worse. And yeah, again, it's one of those things with the we need uh, we need someone to come up with that silver bullet and. Um, I think we're very, very far from from that. Lost you again, dude. <laughs> At least we've got your screen this time. Let's see, I've got uh, a warning. So, uh, let me do. Let's see. Hart says I saw something about Google being highly invested itself in a vaccine company. Oh, they all are. That's that's the issue that you're dealing with right now at the corporate level, right? All those logos that you see, it's all just a facade. It's all incestuous, uh, rotten networks underneath um and yeah of course they're gonna they're gonna put money where they can make money and they have a inside track and you know what does what does google do big data i'm sure they've managed to uh you back bro yeah <laughs> every three minutes man <laughs> <laughs> all right where were we so S1, I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. This is something that I argue all the time. S1 should be considered a engineered uh, pre-energic, -ener, pre prion-like mm -hmm. uh, particle. And I would argue that what they've done is classify it in the incapacitating domain of um, weaponizable agents because it doesn't kill you instantly. Now, if it kills you 10 years, it can. It can. five years down the road, but then th th they can say, wow, oh, well, could have been anything, right? Exactly. It's just, it's yeah, a slow burn. yeah. And so this is, this is where I think that they've really stretched that boundary of, uh, of incapacitating agent in this yep. instance. Anyway, let's, uh, let's. So Cool. Get on. I saw I saw PRP Scrapey in there somewhere. It flashed by. Um, yeah, there is. Oh, where is he at? Uh, we're up here. Yeah. Hmm. Number of course. Yeah. It was talking about the bears reports, how they're going up. Yeah. So you know, this is something uh, my colleague uh, Jean Claude Perez, Luc Montagnier have um, sort of hinted at. Now, I, 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 again, the. Um, are we seeing the tsunami of Kreutzfeldt Yakov? Yeah, I, I think this is a, this can be a a, a distraction because, as I was pointing out earlier, you have to think of all the neurological disorders as prion-like disorders, right? So, okay, you don't see, you may not see thousands, hundreds of thousands of Kreutzfeldt Yakov cases, but you, we're going to see hundreds of thousands of dementia cases that won't be won't be classed as Kreutzfeldt Yakov or Alzheimer's. Yeah, all all, all of the above, Parkinson's, etc. Alzheimer's is going to be a, a huge issue. It, it, it well, it is already. Uh, you know, they're probably going to be what it took. Uh... And and the thing with these neurological disorders is it's hard to diagnose, right? And you know, you you need some pretty specialized equipment and experience to get a diagnosis for Kreutzfeldt Yakov disease. Mm. And yep. like I say, the I think what we'll see is early onset dementias more than anything. Yep, and, Alzheimer's. Yeah, 
yeah. um, peripheral diseases, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, all, all of the above. This is yeah. this is the take on, I think. Because mm -hmm. it, there are multiple ways where it, where it can pack it. That's like where I started. It's like a Swiss Army knife. Mm. Everyone's looking for that one cause, and it's not. It's a mm. collection. Mm. And it's a series, and it's like at any given point in the series, it can either stop or be localized to a given organ or mm. system. Mm. And then you're dealing with myocarditis, you're dealing with hepatitis, you're dealing with you know neurological issues. But really, it's it's all induced by this spike protein. Yeah, and I I use the phrase it's the tapestry of the genomic uh, environmental landscape of the individual and that will leave them susceptible in a particular direction. And, yep. and this, is, this is what makes clinical work so hard. It's, we're mm -hmm. not, we're not uh, robots. Nope. But if you focus on that spike protein, I, I, I really think the focus should be on if you're in cleavage site, on that patented gene, mm. and then also nanolipids when dealing with people who are vaccinated because of the pharmacodistribution, which is showing that it, um, let's see what it accumulates in the brain, the heart, spleen, reproductive organs, you know, and as soon as the nanolipids are there, you, you, you got, you got two issues. One, you got the spike protein. And the second, you have a cationic lipid in an electrically dynamic system. And to me, that's acting as an insulator. And there really aren't any studies that I've seen that talk about the elimination of these lipid nanoparticles. Most of them just say, hey, it goes to a different part of the body. Well, why? Well, they'll, they'll make the argument that it gets chewed up in the liver and um, gets, gets excreted in bile. But the, the issue you have is that it just doesn't go. Show me the data. Uh, it just doesn't go to the liver, right? But a lot of it does, for sure. I mean, the, the, a lot of the uh, interest in these sort of biologics was that they were a way of targeting liver cancer, mm -hmm. right? That you could give them and they would make their way there and um, do do whatever, if you, whatever you've been a chemo agent in. Mm-hmm. I'd say what, what was your, your your poison of choice for your cancer? Pretty much. And the you know my my sort of understanding of the literature was that it it was always problematic, but they had this fallback was with well there's always the vaccine route to go down. We can use them for vaccines, and it's it's in in effect you could at, at one operational level. Because I'm, I'm sure it's compartmentalized. But there's, there are people who, who want that big bonus because the vaccine, their, the vaccine product works, right? And you know they want the, they want that extra million dollar bonus, right? They've got their eye on the, whatever it is you do with the million dollars. Karma is not worth it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like to think that, dude, but. Um, I know. I know. Doing what we can, man. Yeah. 
but uh, you know, the pharmacodistribution, the pharmacokinetics of lipid nanoparticles, they can't be ignored. You know, you got them going into the testes. Uh, recent studies are showing out that people who are like men have lower sperm. You know, um, female ovaries within 24, 48 hours. You know. Yeah, have you have you seen the uh, the rodent studies where they've used yeah. um, the fluorescence tags? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the luciferase, and you see them just like pinged up. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. <laughs> is line your daughters up for that. Yep. And the thing is, is that you know, especially if this stuff hits the reproductive side, like you're looking at a hereditary issue. Mm. That can be generational. Yep. You know? Yep. Look, dude, there, there was a study I was looking at this week, which um, was flu vaccine. I, I, it was late at night, goddammit, and I, I just was laying down and looking at it as I'm sort of falling asleep. But they basically showed an mRNA flu vaccine conferring a, 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 an immune response to the next generation. Right, but supposedly that's not supposed to happen. Hmm. Right, but there it there it is. It it's um, and it, well, you can argue it's rodents, and it's just one one study. Um, I also read studies that um, for people who were infected with COVID in a household, uh, other members never tested positive for the virus but did test positive for the antibodies mm -hmm. so it's weird because so in the same sense that you know they purport that the virus is contagious well so is immunity mm -hmm. but then they're saying oh wear your mask mm -hmm. the people who have natural infection they need to not be wearing their mask so that they can expectorate their antibodies to those around them because that's what they fast what the study show that's what the studies found yeah it would be the interpretation um yeah yeah and you know there's this well uh, do you have kids dude not yet um well when you do they bring back all sorts right <laughs> i you know it's a it's a rough couple of years as uh as you get through it but I, I think it's good for you. The kids can the kids conferring some some immunity to you. But um, I've, I've been asked in the chat. Um, do you know about the advantageous polymorphisms with respect to ACE two? Advantageous polymorphisms. Well, I, I kind of mentioned earlier about glycation. No, so this you is know. um I don't know what you mean. so there are racial differences in the uh ability of the spike protein to bind to ace two with some races being more susceptible than others and yeah I also, i'm also aware that other races um immune systems also function differently how like, dare you sir that's just that's some races just need more sun because they have more <laughs> melanin and that's the way that their immune system functions and especially if you're in you know if you're higher melanin count and that's the way that your natural immune system is biologically wired to function mm -hmm. um then you need to be under a full spectrum lamp you know go to a go to a a, a, a pet store 
get a reptile lamp, you know, a UVA, UVB lamp. And yeah, you know what? Just, just I stand in front of it. Getting on a bit. But my turtle seems to hate the lamp. <laughs> it's always hiding <laughs> when uh, it's on. It doesn't, doesn't bask like I would expect it to. It's always in the water. It comes out at night. And then sits on the rock. Um, just uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I do. I'm wondering about those lamps and uh, <laughs> if the turtle's running away from it. Um, maybe maybe yeah. it's too close or something. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, for some biological reality, is not politically correct. No, well, and you know the the politically incorrect um, interpretation of the these studies are is, is that the the race with the most inherent resistance. Guess guess which race? Caucasian. No. No, they're actually the most susceptible. South European. Are we talking about Ashkenazi? We are talking about the uh the Ashkenazi, sir. The uh, oh, like is he Jew? Is he Jew? <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. It's it's this type of casual racism that just gets me in trouble all the time. Whatever. They never got over the Babylonian captivity. They brought that shit home and then said, "Oh no, we're Israel. Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> um, but yeah, again, you know, I'm I, I'm of the opinion that we need to explore every avenue, and even if it makes you uncomfortable. Pardon my French. Um, the 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 simple fact is, there's there's two countries that we know who are capable of making these agents and both are not adhering to chemical biological warfare convention treaties. Mm. One is the United mm. States. The other is Israel. Mm. And Whether they 98% jabbed. Yeah. So again, you know, the, the, I, you'll get no, um, no argument from me that they'll, they'll, quickly turn on each other just to, to, to cover the to cover up uh, a scam that they're pulling uh, there there is uh, how should we say a very um uh, what's what's the word like india like cast like uh it's still in israel i lived there for three years dude i can uh such is the such is the fate of the followers of sabatai levy <laughs> okay uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm shocked, <laughs> sir. Shocked at this blatant anti-Semitism. I can't, can't countenance it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I say, it's uh, again. Um, if, if people want to get to the bottom of this problem, um, start asking those tough questions. You don't, you don't, you don't just get to hide behind political correctness around this one. I'm afraid. Sorry, sorry. All, all of this gets dragged out. And if, if there's an indicator that there's a um well that may, maybe it's well i think the evidence is there that it's not accidental um we, we have to ask who exactly and you know and you know being and a type of response of like wow we we vaccinated all our uh population well maybe maybe because you thought it wouldn't cause that much harm right you, if the binding the ACE2 binding was reduced. Um, anyway, I don't. I don't want to go down the J hole. Hey, yeah, come on, boys. It's one that will become apparent to those, especially those who are familiar with uh, 
Yeshua Mashiach. Let me put it that way. Mm. And El- Elohim's sons Kabbalah of uh, you know the Chaldeans. Let me put it that way. Dude, you know what? I, I try to re- to explain to people, right? It's it's just not a thing here in the East. All all that um, Abrahamic shit. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. it's so refreshing. So just so refreshing, not to have, uh, not not to. Uh, well, I don't know. It, it uh, is nice, and 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 as and as a and as a practitioner of meditation for over twenty years, who's familiar with Tadavada, Mahayana, and and uh, Vajrayana, um, all three turnings of the wheel of Dharma, and cultivation, um, I can say that one can cultivate void as much as one wants. But there is one to fill it. Ah, there you go, folks. How's how's that for deep? You get it all. All of this stream. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and and the one to fill the cup is the one that fills all cups. You know. Mm. Yeah. The Word made flesh. Mm. Grace walked on this earth. Mm. Yeshua is real. He has a book. He's here. Still here. Living God. Hallelujah, bro. Amen. So, you know, don't mean to get all preachy out there, but uh, you know, it's real. All right, um, let's let's get back to some uh, reductive science. <laughs> reductive science. Here's this. Here's this for reductive science. I wrote I wrote an article. I, I do go by a pseudonym uh, by Doc Keck. Mm. Um, those who are familiar with. Uh, Quite frankly, show quite frankly TV. Check it out. Mondays through Fridays, seven PM to nine PM. Oh, okay. Um, um, I'm somewhat frequent on there, and I wrote I wrote this article. I'm gonna send this to you. It's called "They Knew the Danger." Um, let me send let me text this to you because really, what we get into do. So, so you do, you do quite frankly that stream. I will I will jump on, I will jump on as a call in guest. Oh, wait, oh, oh okay okay so I'm under the pseudonym. Okay so I've got a friend trying to sort of line me up to go do that yeah. do that stream. So actually the best way to do that would be just to apply. Oh I'm 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 in touch with the dude and um it's just a it's just a case of. I know with Chris, I know that, but, um, there is a place on this website. Let me I'll send you the link. There you go. Actually, it's, it's, it's more just, it's more just a, a, a time. Timing. Okay. Yeah. yeah I know. You're out there. It's true. Just being in I'm Japan, dude. Yep. Yeah. So, um, Japan's, I, I, I want to go to Japan so bad. Eventually. Oh. Um, Near so, Kaza to Kaza, dude. Appreciate it. We'll put that out there. Um, I kind of want to close with this, with the Vanden Bosch warning that was done by the High Wire, where he really talks about antibody dependent enhancement. I'm not going to play it. I just mm. want to reference it. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Gert Vanden Bosch. I think he's been on the money right from Huge. the beginning. Um, Absolutely. And. Uh, you know, um, you know, I've got a friend who's 
somewhat somewhat circumspect about Robert Malone and Gert van den Bosch. Maybe they're not being completely transparent, but I, I think I personally my, my idea on Malone is that he is trying to protect his legacy and he is slowly piecemealing out the information without really telling people how bad it is. Mm. You know, because yeah. it's bad. Yeah. Um, or he's put out as damage control. <laughs> it is. He knows. He is. Yeah. Kind of Coenzel Pro, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, man, his... I'd, 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 I'd like to speak to him, right? You know, I don't, I don't want to ask him about vaccines or, or RNA, whatever. There's someone who, who makes a pre, uh, or talks about ethics and being on sort of medical ethics boards within that sort of quasi private government military domain. I want I want a discussion with him about what they considered this gray zone of incapacitation. That's where I want his thoughts. Right. And what, what how would they classify this prion like mechanism? That's that's what I'd like to pick his brain about. The uh, the idea with the nanolipids and the problem that I have, and I'll kind of I'll swing back to that is that I don't think the body eliminates them. I don't think that they're destroyed. I think that the body moves those charges to where those charges are most normally expressed, mm-hmm. and that's why they end up in the heart, why they end up in the spleen, and where they where they are, and when they're there in an electrically dynamic system. If they're told to, if they're if they're placed in a position where they need to change their polarity, they won't, and the signal will stop. Mm. Sudden adult death syndrome. I think that's one aspect. The other aspect, I think, is just you have like a localized paracrine cytokine storm that is causing neuronal demyelinization and degradation of the vagus nerve and mm. sayonara. You know, you cut the wire. You cut the vagus wire. You done. Mm. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah, and again, there's this. You know, I, I sort of started this trying to hammer home to people the uh, the rhythmicity of Botzinger complex and the uh, medulla and what happens if you get something in there that can disrupt the th- that automatic component of your autonomic nervous system. Right, you can have conscious control over your sort of breathing and heart rate somewhat, right? Um, but you have something you have something that's neurotropic and it's able to again follow anatomical pathways. Uh, I think it's an interesting hypothesis about um, charge, you know, going towards sort of electrogenic um, mm-hmm. re- regions and I mean, I'm literally writing that out right now. It's just um, awesome. Just as as a as a, a hypothesis for um, why, where, and why we would expect these um, molecules to distribute the way the way that they do, and um, you know that yeah the the, the question to try and wrap your head around is but how how can you get something like sudden adult death syndrome 
and if if you if if these huge clots are a thing, which um, I, I can are. I can believe, um, I think that's definitely one way. Um, of course, there's the dysregulation of the electrogenic rhythmicity that we rely on in these autonomic systems, and these are. Uh, acutely sensitive and yeah if you if you have something in there that comes in causes inflammation causes the you know the so in, you know they have this axiom of uh, cells that uh fire together wire together um but if you if you get in there and dysregulate the firing between neighboring cells then you're going to lose this control that you that you have over these uh, systems and if it's the the control of the liver and the kidneys ah you know it might not be such a big deal you can correct it over the course of a couple of hours maybe right but something something as acute or, or sensitive as as the heart yeah it doesn't it doesn't mm -hmm. take um, much it doesn't take much exactly or if it's just like ends up settling over that was it the SA node the NA node yeah so the sino arterial and atrial ventricular nodes of of the heart and you know again this is um you know they they are well defined pathways so just a, just a, this is an anecdote that I pull out so people who listen to me a lot get bored of this one but um what I found was when I would be delving into those deep limbic regions of the brain, so it's, it's the same where I was talking about trying to measure the uh, the signal transduction between hemispheres and the nucleus accumbens. And what I found was that you could go in there and there were particular frequencies of activity where you could have an, a live animal one minute and the next, boom, they're dead. And there's no indicator of any sort of pathology there. There's no there's no atrial or arterial blockages. There's no strokes. There's no nothing. It's just some firing, and I think it's some some autonomic dysregulation that occurs. And the limbic region is so intimately involved in you know, your, your emotional representation is mapped to sort of organ systems, right? And we know about sort of anxiety in the stomach, etc., and yada yada. Mm. Um, um, as the most obvious one, your genitals, etc. But the, it, it, it all sort of coalesces into these limbic regions in the brain. And you know, we've we've gone down this step. And look, I've sat there with the fucking heads of the medical device companies around dinner table and said, look, you, you put electrodes in there and start stimulating and you have a failure in the stimulation device and it starts misfiring in, in these particular frequency ranges. You, you, it's lethal. And they were just like, well, we're doing it already. doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> we can handle it. Can handle it. And, and of course, no, no one will, they'll just say, oh, you know, just it was his time. Sudden adult death. 
often, but they're using it for addiction now and behavioral control. And this is something, this is something that the Chinese have, uh, have invested heavily in, which is this psychosurgery. Oh, yeah, psycho so, so deep brain stimulation, psychosurgery to deal with yeah, addiction, obsessive compulsive disorder. So all, all what I was working on and I, you know, I could have easily gone to China to work. But the fact that they were so keen, I'll just put it that way, keen to engage in that type of intervention. And and look, I, it's not like I wasn't pursuing that, right? I, I had, you know, I was going around trying to get private funding. I've got a company and intellectual property and... Um, well, I was I was trying to foist on people and saying, look, we can uh, we can now map these uh, these neural networks and we can we can recognize the abnormal firing, the network activity, and how it relates to behavior, drive, and we can stop it with the with the targeted stimulation pulse. Um, but I, you know, I just I was on the assumption that our <laughs> Western, you know, we're, we're a better moral, ethical framework. I'm now just not so sure. And <laughs> that's what I keep telling myself. The fact that, the fact that I'm all poor and uh, don't, have, don't, have, don't have a Porsche or a mansion. The shabby old, shabby old house and a 12-year-old car. It's because uh, that's the right way. That's the karmic way. <laughs> it's God looking out for me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> If you have peace, you have a roof over your head, you I got smiles, you got a good family, you yeah. know, like, yeah, I, I do, man. That's that. That's that's all the. Uh, that's all you need at the end of that. Well, no, that after they've taken my PayPal away, right? I, I worry about the electrical bill. <laughs> I want to be able to still, uh, still be able to do this. I think I've still got more work to do. Mm -hmm. And find a good payment processor. <laughs> well, I've I, you know I've got one now, and yeah, again, shout out to the the community here for um, uh, you know, enabling a lot of this stuff, right? I, I sort of I I just I just uh, I'm the song and dance man in front of the camera. It's a whole bunch of people <laughs> that devote time to keep the. You know, this, this corner of the internet functional. And that includes yeah. um, being able to pay. Which reminds me, folks, uh, McCannDojo.com. Hit, uh, hit the tip jar. Send the doc a dono. You've <laughs> okay, had some great science today. Um, yes. I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with uh, the, the scope of your knowledge here. And the, and the fact that you've, look, you've, you've gone and taken it into the courts. I have. Uh, you want to you want to go into that? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I I think um, the the biology most most people here are uh, sort of au fait with um, most of ninety nine percent of uh, the stuff here. The uh, the albino cancer disorder was a new one for me, but um, the what was it called again? Hermansky, Hermansky, Pudlack. Yeah, I sent it to you. Okay. In the Discord. Uh, look, my my Dunbar numbers. Oh, it's all broken. That's full up. And my my, my uh, you know, the re how the reason I don't pursue uh, pursue those technologies and intellectual properties is because of um, head injury. I couldn't. Um, 
couldn't keep up with it. And uh, I thought that was, uh, I forget things now. I remember stuff from years ago. Yesterday? Well, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have short-term memory loss, but probably not for the same reason you do. Wow, uh, shall we say dilly-dallying with the green mistress a bit too much, huh? I mean, uh, maybe you said it, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know that problem. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I love it, dude. Can't get it here in Japan. Yes. Five years in jail. Oh, no. No bueno. Yeah. Because All right, let's 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 get to courts because you know I I think this is really where um you know the the fight has to go, and yeah. you know I, I, I look do I think the courts are really going to do anything? Probably not, but I think there's this this it's part of the ethical and moral process that you have to go f towards as you move away from what would what should be passive resistance. Right now, everything should be passive resistance and using the mechanisms that we have available to us. Once the corruption shows up in the courts and it's uh, it's all out there in public, well, then you know you can say that the, the gloves can come off somewhat. Um, yeah. But there's the... there's oh. two things I want to just sew up here mm. um, on the biology, uh, and it has to do with gain of function specifically mm -hmm. that this is probably the most interesting exchange to answer the question we also have the uh, s1 subunit and i refer to the timeline behind me here that there was a moratorium placed for viral gain of function in 2014 and i think you'll agree with me that the nih funded research that led to this uh, an S1 spike that looks very similar, if not exactly, to what's on the COVID-19 spike. Um, what are you referring to, Senator? Can you please be more specific? Yeah. So I'm talking about the S1 subunit of the current COVID-19 spike. What, what about it? I'm, I'm, I mean, are you talking about an experiment? Are you talking about a paper that was published? So I'm talking about uh, viral research that was done using NIH funding with the North Carolina lab and Dr. Shi. Just, just pause it for a second. Subunit spike. Mm -hmm. um, fucking Fauci trying to just sandbag him with, uh, you know, give me a citation, a paper, which paragraph line you're talking about and uh, doing, doing anything and everything he can to uh, dance around that. What a scumbag. <laughs> He is. He's dancing. He's dancing around. He's playing semantics. Yeah, he's a yeah. fucking asshole. And I found the article that he was talking about, and it's this yeah, one. So yeah, yeah. Like, That's famous, dude. It's dude famous it's huge, right? And I say, oh, this doesn't talk about the origin, motherfucker. Yes, it does. And what I, what I really want, right? And, this whole, and they said, oh, and three PCO. Oh, we have three PCO out here now, and that has to do with. You know, a whole new class that they made just to keep their funding. Mm. Because what he found when he when he made the chimeric spike protein and attached it to um, this type of virus that they were studying at the time, which was uh, which was a coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it affects humans. Here's the thing, right? I say that. Um, uh, where is it? Uh, it's this one, SHC014MA15. Mm. What is that 
what does that sequence look like? And what are the similarities between that spike protein specifically mm. and the S1 spike? Mm. If these are the same, if there's any homology between the two, like maybe the hermansky pudlak sequence on PRRA on the furin cleavage site, mm. you got issues. The whole natural evolution's bullshit at that point, because then you have fucking genetic. Yeah, but I don't think SHCO14 has the polybasic um, sequence in it with the furin Yeah, I didn't know. Science. That's no, been an open question for me. Yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Uh, okay. I'm prepared to be corrected on that, but um, okay. it's you know what that paper uh, is pointing to is that they they were making chimeras basically and this was a, a showcase for them to say that oh we can make these agents and we can do it in a way that's undetectable through what they call no seem technology right and i don't see them right no yeah. see them <laughs> it's like a mosquito yeah no it's, it's it's gross so, dude it's gross it and yeah, and like I say, I always go around saying they knew. Guilty, they knew. <laughs> yes. yeah, they, did. they knew the danger. If anybody yeah. wants to read this, it goes like this even has um, Barrick's response in it, and it goes over line by line. You know, like they knew. It's just, it's, it's disgusting. But okay, mm. so what can, what, so that's what they knew. But what can you do? And what we really do is we get, we have to start getting into the legal side of things. Mm. And you're mentioning this. Yeah, so, I, I think this is, this is important because people people want to know that there's some something actionable in this. Yep. Right. So, really, what this comes down to is informed consent, mm. and you, when dealing with the law, even though you may make a legal argument, even though it may be legalistically and philosophically sound. If it does not apply to you, it's going to be very difficult to establish the legal standing that you need in order to present a justiciable controversy, which is what courts are looking for. So after my um, original mandamus was denied, I started to write the paper, and then I started to write emails. And, and actually, what I started to do was call. And what I wanted to find out is who is responsible for giving me informed consent in government, okay? Unless you find out who's responsible, you're gonna get passed around. Mm. So you need to find a department that's responsible, which is probably gonna be a, a health agency. Mm. And then you're gonna have a health minister an epidemiologist, a toxicologist, and these are all individuals that have specific bailwicks, specific responsibilities within the law. And you need to look up and find out what the law is. In the case of emergency use authorization vaccines, um, what you're looking at is human research. So what I did, as I looked up Virginia code, human research. Boom, 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 oh, 5.1, all right. And then I find out within my state, I, I can only speak for the states, I can't speak for Japan, I can't speak for, you know, UK, Canada, 
Oh, I think uh, it's dropped out there. But uh, yeah, this is uh, fascinating, folks. This is uh, this is what we need to be uh, getting to. And you know, as as many legal attacks at them as possible. Make it make it so. so devil's advocate, right? He's talking about the uh, the attorneys going out. <laughs> Dismissal after dismissal, but in this case, prosecution after prosecution, till the till the stench reaches so high that uh, God Himself has to come down and do something about it. And yeah, that, that, this is uh, this is really why I wanted to speak to Anthony because um, anyone anyone who's got off their ass and done something. <laughs> done something with respect to the systems that were bequeathed to us if you don't use those systems they're gonna disappear uh, especially in this stakeholder paradigm that they're that they're trying to show out on you are you there dude can you hear can you hear me oh okay yeah all right yeah over so the target we yeah <laughs> we just uh we just got to whatever 5.1 of the virginia uh, Virginia state. code. Yeah. Okay. So human research definitions, right? They're mm. all going to get into that type of stuff, right? Oh, what's that? Ooh. And this is what you want to look for. Mm. Really informed consent. You want to find out your informed consent laws. As a, if you can, if it's if it's not related to human research, then um, as it's related to uh, medical practices. It depends on your jurisdiction and how they define it. And you have to find it. So the law is one thing, but many jurisdictions will also have an administrative code. Mm. So the law is the leg legislative branch. But if you want anything done in government, you have to go to the executive branch. And they have policies and an administrative code that needs to be. Ah, God damn it. <laughs> God damn internet. God damn, tap your boys. Always messing with me. Always <laughs> around me. <laughs> Doc Keck, what name? Uh, um. Let's see, tread carefully with this if I don't use the longest plenty of places trying to cash in on long COVID. Um, well, let's say these are, um, I don't think he's giving medical advice uh, in that particular instance. It's uh, his, his opinion about um, what he thinks is the uh, most successful approach. Um, my, my direction is to just i want to i want to see concrete demonstration in platform test platform and if we if we have a uh, concrete platform in which to test then you can test therapeutics in that platform as well and i think that's the way to go rather rather than um this sort of um, educated guesswork i guess um I would say, you know, you 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 do you do need can't just can't just uh, work off uh, papers and um, 
hypotheses. But yeah, just uh, there we go. We lost the stream. <laughs> oh, you're back. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking. Never would have known. So, well, anyway, you're getting to executive branch, and um, who's responsible for signing off on informed consent in your state? So you have a legislative branch, you have a law, and then you have administrative code, and that is, you know, or the executive branch, which your health departments or agencies of their agencies of the executive branch, and they will have policies or an administrative code that outlines what their responsibilities are in their job. You need to find those two things, find the law, actually three things, find the law, find the person or people responsible, and then find the administrative or policy codes that define their job and what they are supposed to do. And then you call them up and you say, according to X, Y, and Z, you got to give me informed consent. Mm -hmm. And you tell them what you want. So I told them epidemiology has to be known Im immediately to confirm the finding. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm notifying you to of a healthcare associated infection related to a reportable disease and reportable diseases is COVID. And then I was requesting designation of a toxic substance as defined within the policy. So if I know that spike is a biologic toxin, then anything making it in the body is a toxic substance. Okay, so you need to engage. You need to ask them for this. They're going to deny it. They're going to tell you, no, we're not, or it's someone else's responsibility, or this, that, and the other. And mm -hmm. they kind of talked out of both, in their response, they talked out of both sides of their mouth. Mm -hmm. They said, we aren't responsible, but here's some stuff. Like, no, it's either we're not responsible and we're not going to give you anything because we're not responsible, or here's some stuff because this is what's going to satisfy. But they wanted to talk out of both sides of their mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and in here they ask me, you know, they say... Um, they did a Fauci on you. Let's start asking for more studies. <laughs> which study? <laughs> Give me the paragraph. Which I gave them. Mm -hmm. The same... And I gave them my paper, mm -hmm. which has everything linked. Um, specifically on long COVID, those... The long, the, the long COVID section with Bruce Patterson, mm. that's what I sent them, mm. you know? And then they say, oh, well, thank you for, we agree with your comment that SARS-CoV-2 spike protein is closely related to the cause of long COVID. Bitch, I got you. Mm. Nice. I, got, I got their admission in writing. Yeah, well, they, they can, they can uh, wiggle with closely related. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, it's not just the spike protein. It's also the non-classical monocytes, which are presenting it. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, but without the spike protein, you ain't got to worry about nothing else, right? Well, yeah. Okay, well, then shut up. Okay, really. I mean, they, you, you can try and split hairs, but it, this acknowledgement that it's closely related to a disability, mm. a disabling disease is all that I need. At least that's what I that's what I, I think it's all that I need. 
but they still deny me informed consent. They say, no, we don't, you know, we, you don't, we don't need to get it to you. Right. And that's um, where I, I start to get into. Actually, I, I found they linked me. I need to find it. Actually, I just, I know I already know it by heart, but I, I link them to the FDA where the FDA says that we will work with a state um, I think I saw, I'm going to scroll up a bit. I saw, I, I saw uh, there's state and not federal. Oh, no. Facts, not. No. My issues are as you speaking. State law, not federal law. Okay. Yeah, they, is... And they talk about stakeholders? Nice. Where is it? Hold on. Yeah, they, well, the, yeah, the FDA talks about stakeholders and it says that they're going to work with state and local stakeholders to determine the legal mechanism that is needed in order to distribute the vaccines. Well, if they're working with the, the state and local stakeholders to determine the legal mechanism, then that means that it's those jurisdictions that are responsible, okay? So what I wrote was, it's called a declaratory judgment, okay? And this is actively, it was submitted July 21st. I'm still waiting to hear back from the attorney general right now. Okay. Yeah, he hasn't responded. And you write it up. I mean, there, the format that it needs to be put in is written in your jurisdiction. Generally, it's double-spaced, 14-point font. Mm. And then you just put in a verified petition at law for declaratory judgment. You can search within your local laws as to what a declaratory judgment is um, and how it needs to be formatted, what needs to be included, and what it is used for. So in Virginia, it is only used for like the recognition of a right and uses to get money. I'm not suing anybody to anything for anything. The only thing that I'm asking for, actually there are six things that I'm asking for under relief. And here are the six things that I think that everyone should be asking for in a declaratory judgment based upon their own individual exchange with their own local health departments or officials. You declare your right to receive informed consent for any vaccine as per your statute. Mm -hmm. And it's no joke because in there are five elements that need to be fulfilled in order for informed consent to be provided. And all five of them I'm asking for, not just one. You know, the answering of questions is one, you know, and I can scroll up to it, see if I can find it real quick. Ah, here we go. A reasonable and comprehensible explanation to the person of the proposed procedures or protocols to be followed, purposes, including descriptions of any attendant discomforts or risks and benefits reasonably to be expected. Mm -hmm. Now, I kind of short-circuited this because I sent them the three parts. So they have to at least let me know that because I let them know. And I know that they know. So they can't say that they don't know. Right. Right. So it is, you have to be proactive in kind of educating them in what you want to hear mm. or educating them in what they need to disprove in order for you to be satisfied 
for informed consent. Okay. The other thing in here, part two, a disclosure of any appropriate alternative procedures <laughs> or therapies that might be advantageous besides a vaccine. Mm -hmm. That's part of informed consent. What else is there? Yeah. Critical, actually. You're supposed to work through all options. Lost him again. But uh, yeah, important information again here, folks. And um, legal eagles out there, again, um, keep firing this at them. <laughs> they're, they're trying to force you into something that you don't want to do. Make sure that you're getting proper informed consent. And there's, you know, there should be laws. I, I would, I, I presume there are. There are. If I, if I have to do anything with a monkey, I'll bunch stuff that I have to fill out. <laughs> just to uh, just to uh, get it through and say that and, and say that I'm responsible for what happens should uh, should something something reportable occur and this happens a lot that you you are but you know as a print as a PI of your lab you you sign on the dotted line and you say that you'll you'll take the heat <laughs> it uh, should anything that you do uh, breach uh, understood law, interpreted law with respect to the research? So, All right. You back, bro? We, we, you got number two in, so. Again, lost. Ah, tail for you up. Let's see. Um, Jimmy Green in the chat. Uh, good to see you, bro. Um, Chris says, huge case being announced tomorrow in Australia regarding mandates. Uh, yeah. Uh, hi, Kevin Chat. Guided Kev's not on YouTube. Do I watch the latest update uploads detailing the start of this neurological amyloidosis? I said, I'll be tipping you once I can set up payment, Kev. I've followed you since the start of your excellent work. Following on Twitch. Had to wait an hour to send this message, dude. Ah, sorry, bro. Um, I'm, uh, what can I say? They've taken my PayPal. <laughs> trying to, trying to uh, starve, starve the doc. Those cunts. Just <laughs> bastards. <laughs> but uh, someone sent a tip from uh, LA. Thank you, thank you. Whoever that was. You need to put a name for me to uh, to know who it is, but. Much, much, much appreciated. Let me just see if anyone's bought the old Docker coffee. No, old stew. Oh, old name stealers. Can I say? Uh, yeah, those Talpy Up boys messing with everything. So, uh, when I had first heard Doc Kev, I knew right away I should speak with Ke Doc Keck. Keck. Keck, I think, not Ket. Uh, so glad the stars lined up for the stream. Yeah, we were trying to sort of, um, arrange it for quite a while and then things things got in the way um but, uh, well, I'm, I'm hoping he gets back <laughs> i want to know what three four and five is <laughs> things to be asking for this uh what was it i forgot the latin judicious whatever <laughs> let's see uh, who will speak against their colleagues? Hard to pull them out of the club. Yes. Uh, guilty, guilty. I agree. 
keep sharing the experiences of affected people. Yeah, I think that's important to do. Um, let's see. Uh, I wish Kev reached more good people. Um, yeah, well, you know, they've got to work hard, right? They're gonna, they're gonna make sure they're gonna silence someone like myself. You back, dude? Uh, yeah. I think we got through. You were partially getting through free, I think. You there? Yeah, you here now? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah, I've got you now. Okay, cool. Sorry. Number three. Yeah. So that I can withdraw consent, which doesn't bode well for um, vaccine requirements for working, right? If you withdraw your consent and you're working, <laughs> how does that work? Um, an explanation of any costs or compensation. So if there are any costs of long COVID, what are they? If mm -hmm. I can get paid, what is it? Mm -hmm. You know? And then my favorite, this is my favorite right here. An offer to answer and answers to any inquiries by the person concerning the procedures and protocols. Mm -hmm. I got questions. You guys got to give me answers. <laughs> yes. By law. Give it. So here are, and there's a lot of justification, but really what it comes down to, here are the six things that I think anyone and everyone should be asking for within a declaratory judgment. Declare that you have the plaintiff's right to receive informed consent from your governing body for any vaccine as per state statute. Declare your right to receive informed consent that it is a Ah, lost him again, but uh, it reads biological toxin. Um, yeah, the the whole the whole issue of spike protein being in there, I think, is a, is a crucial one. And yeah, don't don't let them pull that particular wool over your eyes. It's it's not an inert protein. It's being expressed in an unusual manner in a in areas that they say it shouldn't go and um you have the right to know right so yeah. we got you we got you to biological toxin now on number two dude is a biologic toxin by definition mm. right and 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 a toxin will be defined this isn't my definition that i'm using here it is a legal definition that mm -hmm. i'm using and asserting here okay um and and all of these Every word that you use should have a legal definition that you're referring to, mm. and it will be defined within the law. Mm. Use it. It's there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, right to receive that, um, that the, the protein is, that, that anything making the protein in the body is a toxic substance. Mm. Right. So the protein is a toxin. Anything making it in the body is a toxic substance. Mm -hmm. And then the right to receive notice of the possibility of a healthcare associated infection. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Because then that puts the onus on whoever is going to be injecting that in you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I wonder I wonder if there's this sort of get out clause where they'll just say, Ah, it's the doctor doctor administering it. Um they they wiggle out that way well 
they can tr well they can try um but according to the fda um and the fact that i'm asking them and approaching them and they're responsible according to the fda for determining the mechanisms that's how i legally justified that they are the ones responsible for letting me know this mm -hmm. And then number five, the right to sue them via a mandamus mm -hmm. or any other legal filing to obtain fulfillment of your of the declared statutory rights. So not only are you asking for recognition, you're also asking for permission mm -hmm. to sue them. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get the money and when you get the real stuff. A mandamus action is a court order forcing someone in the executive branch to perform a ministerial duty. And you have to define the ministerial duty in a mandamus. That's why I started with informed consent, mm -hmm. because they have a ministerial duty to provide me informed consent. And eventually I'm going to sue them. But first I need to get permission. Mm -hmm. And I need to get recognition of the right by a declaratory judgment to sue them. And then ending with any other relief that the court may find appropriate. You know, maybe things that you're just not aware of that the judges that will know that it fits and they'll say, okay, here you go. Mm. So, so I, wonder, I, wonder how, I wonder how much this comes down to again the judge just saying well no not in my court sorry um even 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 though you legally you you could argue everything would appear to be on your side you, you still have to get it past the the person who has it's still a human being who has a most likely has a conflict of interest uh, around this issue we'll see you know the thing is is that in an action like this, it's 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 good that the AG hasn't responded to me because, and I still need to call the sheriff tomorrow to figure out when exactly they were served, because 21 days, they have 21 days to respond. If they do not respond after everyone has been legally served, I win by default. Right. They have to. If they don't, I win. And there's no judge that's going to throw this out unilaterally. And this was submitted in July, right? So, if... yeah. yeah. You've won. Well, no, not yet. Because I need to confirm um, the serving date. Correct. It's mm. from the end of serve, 21 days from the end of service. Mm. No, bravo, dude. I have to say, Thank very, very, uh, very impressive. Um, and again, there you go, folks. There's, um, there it is. There's a, there's something you can do. Uh, like I say, I don't know, you know, the fixing the biology, uh, you know, there's maybe we'll get something, but, uh, seeking redress right now, uh, in the, in the laws that we were given, um, I think. Like I say, I'm not I'm not a legal expert by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, often often it's just about getting the human being into the court 
to, to just press. Press or write. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you, if, you, if you know a sympathetic judge, if you know of a sympathetic court, the goal right now is getting the spike protein labeled a biologic toxin. Mm. Once that happens, it's game over. And it's it's something I've I've had back and forth with individuals, which is that that, that the the assumption that the protein is inert and <laughs> it's harmless. Yeah. CDC says so. Look, it says so on their webpage. Oh, the, these are these are um, people who should know better. And what they defer to is then, well, what dose is it toxic? And oh, no, no, no. Well, it's right there. It's hard. It's a harmless version. <laughs> well, you know that this is what I try to instantiate into people is that in in the literature, right, with with prions, the definition of prions, there's mm -hmm. no established safe dose. None. And there's there's your defense, right there. Mm -hmm. The scientific understanding is there's no safe dose with respect to prion exposure some prions might be more dangerous than others but i think there's i think there's grounds to be saying that there is a um, the prion risk is real and you know the one of the first uh, individuals who i was you know, I, I i sort of bust a lot of people online find out where they're lying and what have you did and one of those individuals is an individual called david gorski and he runs a blog called science-based medicine something like that evidence-based medicine and um it's a lot to do with uh vaccines uh, and sort of countering anti-vax sentiment etc and <laughs> What he tried to argue was that there was, because there were no fetal, uh, sorry, bovine uh, products in this technology, then there's no, there's no prion risk. There's no prion risk. And I, I jumped on him from a, from a massive, right. And I was just tracking him around the internet and, and eventually, you know, I, I, I was saying, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, there are, there are epitopes, et cetera, that we know are, you know, pre-energic, et cetera. And um, you're just, uh, you're lying to people. And <laughs> literally, literally got to the point where um, we dug up that he'd, he'd been receiving money from uh, Fexner Group, uh, Epstein. Hmm. And... Um, yeah, he's, he's tried to sort of hide hide those tweets now, but uh, we we got them all. <laughs> he's he's a he's a gross gross individual, and um, you know you you won't they do, they do everything to try and uh, shut me down or and sort of do it from cover right now because they know they know we've got a. a, a talent stack for finding out who people are right mm -hmm. even, even when they use pseudonyms and what have you on online 
and um yeah he he sort of publicly came out early and yeah i i responded to that you know very very fast and um and i i think you know this is a sort of testament to people who are working hard you know and that, that includes people like yourself that's a lot of work that you've done there dude right a lot. You, you've done uh phd level dive into the biology and you've tagged on the legal component as well do you work in law is that um your i, I no it's, i just have a penchant for logic <laughs> okay it's just you can read i can read imagine that <laughs> this is this is my uh, original mandamus mm. which was yeah, about 50, 50 pages, and I had to do two of these because we had a new governor in between. Um, mm. It's insane. Yeah, I've done a lot of research, but uh, I've people have told me that I need to be. I should have been a lawyer. Maybe I'll still go in. Who knows? And and actually, the um, the role that I am playing with these lawsuits is that of a private attorney's yeah. general. Yeah. In the United States. Yeah. So uh, you 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 don't have to have the bar exam to approach nope. the court. They they try to they try to convince you that that's the case. Nope. Um, and, it is, and and they are more scared of pro se, of a good pro se argument than they are of of an attorney. Mm. Yeah, because I don't care, and and I know the law, mm. and they know the law, and I know they know the law, and I'm not letting them wiggle out of mm. nothing. Yeah, but I, I was, I was just—you're so gonna get in there and you'll get the flag with the, um, the gold tassels on. You, you, you're not. They're using admiralty law that day. Yeah. yeah, but believe it or not, you know, with with declaratory judgments, and when you're dealing in circuit court, you know, and in court in general, a lot of people have this misconception that it's kind of like Perry Mason, you know, you go in there, you make your arguments in front of the judge, you know, it's very forceful and mm. convincing. That's bullshit. Okay. Law is this. This yeah, is it's what paperwork. Law is. It's it's the shuffling of of yep. understood definitions backwards and forwards around what an, an agreement that you can come to under law. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, I've tried to you know I come very much from a sort of free man on the land mm -hmm. philosophy, I guess, for one of yep. a better explanation so 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 in law you start at the end you start at the result you want mm -hmm. and you work your way backwards to put in all of the legal elements that are showing on the conclusion that are needed in order to give you what you want so what you're really doing and what i'm trying what i did is i, I created a situation to the where the judge is compelled by law to do nothing else but grant me what I'm asking for. And, you know, the an important thing that I would try and point out to people here is um, you're not going in there demanding damages. Nope. You're just demanding that application of the law as it's understood. Mm -hmm. Right, which which makes it a much much tougher thing for them to dismiss, and yes. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know how it would relate to sort of ace law and precedent that if what that if they can dismiss this, that then they've established a precedent and then that avenue gets closed. I, I don't know. I can again. I'm not a legal expert, but depends on how and why. There is a pot. There the possibility is always there. Yes, but if you don't take the shot, you're never going to hit the mark. Mm. You know, and a lot of times, like in the Supreme Court, you know, um, the rulings themselves can be used as direction. So even when you lose as pro se, a lot of times they'll tell you what you need to do, mm, mm. you know, or in their rulings, you know, in their reasoning why they denied it. You just go back, you correct the deficiency, and you sue them again. Mm. Yeah. You know, because judges are bound and, and they're bound by, you know, a little bit more than just their the... oath, brother. Exactly. <laughs> Supposedly. Um... Supposedly. But and and the... oh, here's the other thing too. All right. The form of appearance. So I'm. Oh, I lost him again. Uh, go through the comments real quick. Uh, yeah, it's great to see Jimmy in the chat. Uh, Kev's the best. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, loving Kev's online. Well, ah, thank you. Um, this shot can cause some very grotesque injuries. Yeah, you know what? I've um, I'd, I should have been aware of this, but uh, putting the image of um, the Vax injury yesterday, it's already on Twitter, and uh, you're trying to get the debunk crew. <laughs> trying to say oh that's not real that's not real oh oh fake fake and gay and um no i it's it's kind of hilarious because i've got all the video evidence just to just to look at and, and pulling out the uh the clots etc um all right, so it's legally sucks. It's definitely time consuming. Yes, uh, I agree. It, and it's its own distinct language. I try doing it in Japanese. <laughs> that sucks. It's a, it's a different, um, different system, I would say. Uh, let's see. Chris has put the link to the site. Thank you. Um, Kev, should I add his link to the vital links drop down? Yeah, why not? Um, we, we want these types of resources available. Uh, 10letters.org uh, is another way to um, get some legal redress. Uh, don't forget that. Let's see. Mine is in hospital. She's been left in a bed in her own penis. Is not trained. Oof. NHS trained. The doctor doesn't know where bleeding is. Oh, God. So we're jab three times. Uh, oh, that sounds rough. Will they say the flyer three to four pages explaining vaccine and its dangers is considered informed consent? Well, I, I, I guess this comes down to whether you think it's informed consent. That's That would be my, my takeaway. And again, can they answer the questions satisfactorily? 
is it a biological toxin, like he's saying? And, you know, we know that it's a reactive peptide. And bring the evidence. Are you there, bro? Are you? I see yeah, the yeah, screen I am. scrolling. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> um, That's crazy. I was talking about the way that you present your pro se mm. and, the, and the form of pro se um, that you present yourself in court. And the way that I presented myself was in three forms, in triformis, mm. mind, body, and spirit. Okay. I'm a whole soul mm. under heaven, mm. beyond their jurisdiction. And I'm coming to them because I got a serious issue that they need to really take a look at. Mm. Okay. Uh, there are other connotations to into in triformis specifically having to do with the occult. I didn't realize that until later. Um, but ultimately, um, in triformis relates to the fates mm. and the ones who are like in control of this domain. So, however you want to look at it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and there's, you know, there's always this. I've always found it fascinating with respect to law and this idea that there's a legal fiction that is you that is often the subject to what people what people think is law mm -hmm. and these are well it's um acts right statutes and acts and these are that they're fundamentally different to natural law and it, it you can again i'm not the expert in this but you know one is one is contractual law de mm -hmm. deals with dead corp corpse corpses corporations chancery right court of chancery and the and you know this you see this with the three men on the land they they sort of go in and bring their legal fiction the piece of paper and whatever judgment is passed on the paper, well, it's got nothing to do with them because it it's, doesn't apply to human beings in this particular mm -hmm. instance. Yep. Um, um, well, it, the the rule of thumb and and the quick things to remember is that the law doesn't care what your name is. The law cares what your title is. So when anyone under color of law is asking you what your name is and you tell them, oh, my name is Captain, or oh, my name is Anthony. Well, you are identifying yourself with chattel property. Hmm. If you answer, I'm president and executor, you will get a completely different response hmm. from that because they know that your police officers are policy officers. They enforce the policies that the executor or administrator or president set. So if you identify yourself as that within law, then that is where basically you're notifying um, that officer of where you, you're basically you're, you're saying, I stand over you. Mm. You're In not standing under them in legalese. No, no. Yeah. Exactly. The whole understand, stand under. Exactly. You already know that. Mm. Um, in court, it's a little bit more tricky. Uh, the first thing you need to do is notify the bailiff that you're there under common law. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to get him to understand you so that he becomes 
your bitch. Hmm. Okay. Not the judges. Because the judge can only interpret, he can't enforce whenever he says, oh, I'm going to hold you in contempt. You know, it's not the judge that's going to haul your ass out. It's the bailiff. Hmm. But if you've already notified the bailiff at that point, doesn't matter. He has, he has he's Olympic. He can't, he can't do nothing. Even if he says he can scream at the top of his lungs, it's not going to matter. Hmm. And, and there are three forms of law. There's um, the law of chancery, um, you know, common law, where you're asking for remedy, right, for something that's happened in order to be indemnified or made whole again because something else has happened. Um, you have admiralty law, which is law of the sea, where you're asking for cure and maintenance. That's a second level. Mm. And then in the third level, which usually isn't accessible in circuit and appellate courts, but is in Supreme Court, is ecclesiastical law. Where you're, where you're looking f for recognition as, um, uh, as one who is uh, like the living blood of Christ, essentially, mm. you know that I'm, I'm stand, I'm here under the blood mm. of Christ, and I'm standing before you, already made whole, and there are, and then, and then you can start quoting the Bible, and that's when it, that's when court gets, theoretically. Very interesting. I've never taken it to that level, but mm. I've kind of gone down rabbit holes, and apparently that's what I've learned enough to convey and repeat here. <laughs> yeah, man. And then, again, I would I would just encourage people. This is how you spike their tires. Put sugar, this is how you put sugar in their gas tanks. Is use their use their tools against them right now. The the crazy part about civil wars etc you want to try to avoid that bit <laughs> try to try to get it settled um this way and mm -hmm. recognition in law and it can take a, it can take a long time and it can be tough tough mm -hmm. path to walk down because you know they, they'll throw all kinds of nonsense at you whilst you're waiting for redress and they can they'll say okay you we'll fire you anyway get out and a, a lot of the time they know that most people don't have the resources or the wherewithal or the, just the will to pursue right to the end the uh well the the pressing of your rights <laughs> yeah and you can see you, you can see you can have all the rights in the world you know, and you do, but we are in a state where you need to get them affirmatively recognized mm -hmm. and you need to affirmatively assert them in a court of law. And, and to be honest, that's what all these woke motherfuckers are doing out there. They're saying, oh, I have a right to be a girl and walk into the girl's bathroom, even though I have a 12 foot schlong mm -hmm. and I wrap it around my neck a couple of times. Like, no, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, th this is this is the where, where you like, get into yeah. what's like natural law versus the. Yeah. And, you know, and so if you want to use natural law, well, then, OK, biology has to apply. <laughs> so you got a dick, dude. You're 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 a dude. You're going you get in a men's bathroom. Right? That's uh that's the common understanding. Yeah. I mean there's certain elements of objectivity which need to be present in order for 
reasonableness mm. to exist. Yeah. And the whole thing about court is reasonable, rational mm. human being. Mm. You know, and if you can reasonably and rationally legally present an argument based in their own definitions, you know, like, what was it just added up here? What was it? Yeah. Biologic, biologic agent is defined as any microorganism or, su or infectious substance, you know, or naturally occurring, bioengineered, or synthesized components of any organism, mm. right? Capable of causing death, disease, or other biological malfunction. That's what it is. That's all it is. How do the other how do the other elements that you have existing within the literature fit that definition? They give it to you. You just gotta make the puzzle make the pieces match. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's always the issue around they'll 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 try to outweigh you, right? Which is what you, kind of what you're dealing with right now. They can't. Wow. <laughs> they, they cannot outweigh me. I win if they wait too long mm. by default. And the, the, it's the yeah. uh, it's how they, it's how they play that game though, right? They can get that, so they'll they'll string it right out till the end. Then they, then you'll get the response, and then and this is how they drag it out. Yeah, and then I have ten days to to answer their response, and then. Um, and in my response, I'm going to apply my own motions, which will be a, a motion for summary judgment. And then they're going to say, oh, he, he should not have a summary judgment because X, Y, and Z. And that's, and it goes back and forth and it, and it is all written. The law is just written and it's very clear cut. There's very little room for interpretation. You know, most of the interpretation has already been done in case law. And then all you have to do is find the case law that supports what you're trying to do and then apply it, yeah. cite it, write it in verbatim. It's already there. A lot of this shit is copy paste, man. A lot of it is. Mm. Yeah. I've said about science too. You'd be surprised. The law's, yeah. the law's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's, it's so old. And, and ancient, right? So, the, and that those are thick tomes that you've got to work through. So, yeah. I mean, the I, I, sort of interesting question here is how how it gets. What happens when we get the AI court? Because that that's what's coming, right? All, all these middle class jobs, doctor. Um, lawyers etc are all about to get to about to be replaced on mass and what then how, how does then then you get a mix between judge dren and robocop mm. yeah mm -hmm. frightening <laughs> yep <laughs> privately funded yeah yes there's stakeholders <laughs> Exactly. God, I hate that term now so much. Uh, bananas. Uh, 
All right. I'm going to have to go to the bathroom, dude. But thank you for... uh, Yeah. Very, very, very interesting uh, stream. And um, the the court stuff is, I think, great. Uh, What I would remind everyone as well, of course, 10letters.org, if you want to have a automated letter filled out uh, addressed to your attorney general, if you're in the United States. Um, We are... We're trying to make legal moves in that direction. Um, again, I don't know how much the courts really, really work anymore, but it's it's incumbent upon you to do it. Um, yeah, you, you have to. Yeah, and then you, then when you go all uh, judge dread, become the law. You become the law. Well, it it is incumbent. It you know what is it? Uh, what is it? Um, Let's see when uh when tyranny when tyranny becomes a law then I don't know like rebellion is duty something like that I, I can't remember the actual quote mm. yeah. but I mean if if this fundamental right is denied you know I I've really then everyone involved in this is literally guilty of war crimes and, and uh, that's what, what the scope you have to use it that's what we're using it's it's war war crimes crimes against humanity and um they don't get to hide behind corporate gobbledygook and legalese sorry not at all but but we need to assert our rights and we need to start putting them on notice that we know and that we're just over it mm. so i really appreciate all the time that you put in here dr mccarran uh, you know it's just yeah, no worries, dude. It's what I'm here for. I didn't expect to go this song, but I'm glad I did. Uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting. Um, well, dude, uh, you can call in anytime. So. <laughs> Sounds great, man. Cheers. Yeah, uh, you take care, bro. Uh, I'm not going to hang up and we'll speak to you. Well, hopefully speak to you soon, dude. Take care. Many blessings to everyone in chat, too. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I'm about to spring leak let <laughs> me does that does this work i pray that no i'm guilty they're all they're all guilty god damn it is it plain guilty yeah stupid thing never mind uh don't forget um it's all covert moral bio enhancement that's what they want for you don't let them do it don't let them do it right where's me Where's me out for? All right, I'll see you in the next one, folks. Take care, God bless. And uh, assert those rights. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do. I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I would be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these peppers. I will fucking kill each fucking pepper. I swear. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually saying. But fuck these chapters. No fucking vaccine or MRA or ever person who I fucking blow blood. Never. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking babies and my fucking forefathers and my fucking enemies. Fuck these motherfuckers. Oh, then, all right, this guy. Let up! 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 Let up